0: Nine rounds of golf for $90?
1: Yep. The Minnesota Golf Passport is back and available now at TomBernardShow.com. As a golf passport cardholder, you're entitled to nine 18-hole rounds of golf for just one low price of $90. Supplies are limited, so just go to TomBernardShow.com and type keyword passport, a $300 golf value for just $90? Now you got it. TomBernardShow.com, keyword passport.
2: This
3: is the Tom Bernard Morning Show. The Tom Bernard Morning Show. Streamed every morning on the Tom Bernard Show app and anytime, on demand, wherever you get your podcasts.
4: It's not Tom Bernard.
3: <laughs> oh, no, it's a completely different guy.
4: <laughs> he needs a
5: song. <laughs> oh, that's right. He needs a song. Yeah. That's right. Oh, oh my so God.
3: I'm, people will
6: know.
5: I'm exactly so sorry, right. Don. I know.
4: We both were, I was like, there, there you yeah. go. That feels yeah. so
5: much
6: better. You're totally you right. Go, yeah.
7: Oh, see?
6: Hello everybody, good morning to you. This is Don Shelby along with uh, Brittany Arneson, and we've got lots of guests coming up. I'm substituting today for Tom Bernard, my dear, dear, dear friend. And you may find that a little bit odd, uh, the different sides of the street, but we grew up in the same neighborhood, so uh, we've been friends for an awful long time. Hope to be able to uh, fill the time with you today and enjoy yourselves and uh, call in, please, uh, so we can hear from you. We're going to have a lot of good people. And, uh, Brittany, how you been?
4: I've been go- I'm like in awe, by the way. No. Yes, I know it seems dumb, so I was I was talking to Julia over at my talk, and uh, Rudy has said this to me as well. Man, I fall into some great
5: situations.
4: <laughs> Hanging out with you, Don Shelby, and, it's wild. I mean, this is wild.
5: Yeah. You know, uh, I think it was Lou Holtz, the great football coach, who had said, you know, I'm so lucky I was born with a horseshoe up my ass. I swear to God, <laughs> Brittany is so lucky that if you looked up her ass, you would find Lou Holtz. That's how lucky <laughs> Brittany is.
7: It's like a trducken. Uh Yeah. No,
4: I've fallen into it. I mean, I'm shocked. And this today is going to be an awesome show. We have you, Don Shelby. Of course, we have Kristen Burt and Chris Eggert, who are also awesome, and Mike fan, So I'm hanging out with Don Shelby and Mike Gelfand.
6: Unbelievable. If
4: you would have told teenage Brittany that, she would have been like, who? Yeah. Um, no.
6: But 20-year-old Brittany would have lost her goddamn mind. So,
4: no, I'm, I'm just pumped. We're going to have a really fun day.
6: Gelfand and I go way, way, way back. And how
4: did you guys meet?
6: Well, uh, just uh, newsies get yeah. to know each other. But the way we met... It officially was I ran the Don Shelby US Invitational Bash tournament for you oh layered. my god, number is, is, of years was
5: that a Mad Libs? Like I that know. did not oh, seem no. like it all came I, together. I was so. like,
4: "What is this event going to be?" And when it was bass, I was like, "Okay, another layer to Don Shelby. Can we handle many more?" Well,
6: for twelve years, I was a professional bass fisherman. Of
4: course, you were. Because
6: why the hell not?
4: Well, it all wrapped up yeah. in a turtleneck.
8: And yeah. So
6: Erwin uh, Jacobs decided that he wanted to. Uh, get into the bass fishing industry, and then Bass Pro owned everything at that time. Okay. Ranger Boats was run by somebody else, and he owned owned Genmar, and he didn't have a bass boat line, so he came to me, because he knew I fished, and we were friends, and he said, what uh, bass boat company should you buy? And I told him what bass boat uh, company he should get, and then he called me up and said, I just bought Skeeter Bass Boats. And uh, he said, what do you think? And I said, you brought the, you bought the wrong company. Oh, yeah.
7: no. I, <laughs> I hate told, when yeah, that happens. I told you
6: to buy Ranger. Yeah. And uh, I think it was six weeks later, he called me up and said, okay, I just bought Ranger. Oh, <laughs> man, of course. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And yeah. then Ranger was the number one uh, boat in the world. And then he started uh, just putting his uh, toe in the water uh, on this uh, kind of fishing tournament he started. Uh, put me in charge of the Don Shelby U.S. Invitational. And we had uh, nine Bassmaster Pros come in and we were all a a charity organization, but it's a million dollar purse.
4: Where was this? Minnetaka. Oh my God. And
6: and so, uh, but it was, as you have (laughs) considered this sort of a joke and so do I, Uh, but it went on for nine years and we gave away a lot of money to charity. But Gelfand thought it was funny, and so he did an entire video, of course he did, with my permission, uh, of the entire behind-the-scenes thing, and (laughs) uh, there wasn't a true line in the entire piece, and it was hilarious and it was just wonderful. Yeah. So I can't wait to see Mike. You
4: know. uh, we got to we'll try to have to find that video. That would be amazing. <laughs> yeah.
5: You know what's great? The next thing he's going to ask you for is what truck you think he should he should get to be able to haul that boat cuz it's been sitting in his driveway for the last 10 years. So. It's
7: yeah. just wild. Yeah.
5: Galfan's great, man. Yeah, yeah. He definitely he runs under the the guise of uh, Don't Let the Truth Stand in the Way of a Good oh, Story no. and I love that for no. him. Oh, yes. Thank wow.
7: you for yeah. that,
6: Rudy. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely right. Yeah. No, that's—he is uh, one of the most creative uh, fiction writers I have ever met. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For for a person in the business of nonfiction. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's a good way yeah. to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
5: yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah I've known Gail fans since. So he's a friend of our. Oh my God. Is that you? Yes, I'm a professional.
5: My goodness. Between um, you and Tom could you guys shut off the devices when you guys are live on microphones and TVs? I cannot. My goodness.
4: I don't get. I mean, he's Tom's my mentor so I'm just trying to be like him.
5: <laughs> Guess um. so. I don't know if you saw it the other day, Don. What we're talking about is Tom was on uh, Twin Cities Live, and in the middle of his interview, his Apple Watch went off. Because nobody pulls him aside and goes, speaking (laughs) of, nobody pulls him aside (laughs) like his wife and tells him to turn his stuff off before he has to get uh, in front of a live camera. Can
4: I tell you guys what happened? Please. So I have a a phone case that I wanted to match my outfit, because I do that a lot. Yeah, you do. And I accidentally turned, when I put my case on, I turned my volume on. Because I was like, that's my ringer. I haven't heard that in years. And I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, what I was going to say is, yeah, I've known Gelfand. He's been a friend of our family for a very long time. And uh, he used to come to things all the time and tell his jokes. And what I found is, like, teenage Britney cannot pull off always Gelfand jokes. <laughs> so, there was one line that his, like, most famous line that we always laughed about and, um I would try to switch it up for me and I would be like, yeah, me and my boyfriend have one thing in common. We both hate me. And it would just fall <laughs> flat on the ground. And I'd be like, okay. There's a whole
6: Yeah, it becomes not a joke with with a with a <laughs> no, young oh a god. young girl telling that <laughs> it goes, "Oh, you poor baby." Is <laughs> <I laughs> oh my god, god, is there anything I can do for you?
4: All of a sudden people are getting me tea. I've got a blanket around my shoulders. It just doesn't I I would love to steal his jokes. They just never land the same way.
6: There Um, is a male perspective to his jokes.
5: And
4: like yeah, like a a self pity aspect that we love, right? You Uh, you
5: gotta say it more nasally. I think that's 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 the
4: problem. Yeah. 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 So I've I've he's he'll be so fun when when we all have we're all together. So, and that's at the 9 o'clock hour. So.
6: Yeah. Yeah. And if you're wondering where Tom is, he has taken his family back to Florida in order to go to Disney World. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. What's going to go with, with Disney? What's going to happen? I don't... Because Disney, you know, has the greatest attorneys in the world. Absolutely. And it's a gigantic, gigantic company. And then... Uh, Governor Ron DeSantis says uh, I'm basically taking over everything. I'm going to take over everything Disney. And I think they'll probably uh, react.
4: Yeah, I don't think it's going to go well. <laughs> in fact, like everybody in the online community knows, you don't do you don't step on Disney's toes. Right. Like right. You know, you don't do a Cinderella reenactment, you don't use their music, like you said, they are yes. litigious. Uh-huh. So yeah, I don't I don't see it going well. And uh I, I mean I f I it'll be interesting. I mean I'm sure Tom's gonna go down there and figure it out for all yes. of us.
7: Yes. Well,
5: that's my hope.
3: peacekeeping mission. Yeah. Yeah.
5: I'm going down there in three weeks, so if he could kind of, like, get the wheels greased on uh, what's going on between those two, that'd be fantastic. So, yeah.
4: Half the show is going to Disney World. How wild. I've
5: never been. I told you guys. I'd never been, because my mom, every year when we were kids, would promise, next Christmas, we're going to Disney. Next Christmas, we're going every year. And it'd get to be, like, mid-November. We're like... All right, when are we hitting that flight? When are we gonna go see the mouse? And they're like, nah, maybe next year. It was always next year. And finally, like my sister and I, my sister mostly, just finally one day said, you know what, let's just pull the goddamn trigger. Just pull it. Let's just please go to Disney World. I don't care how much it costs. Which when I got the bill, I was like, okay, I kinda care I kinda how much, it, care costs, how much it costs. Because it is a lot of money. But it is uh but yeah, I'm glad that we're finally going. Like my daughter's pumped to go. She's fourteen. So it's weird when you take kids that are too young to things. Yeah, I agree. Then they, yeah, they don't remember it. Like I took my daughter to was it Katy Perry? I think I took her to Katy Perry when she was like five or six, mm-hmm. and now she's. I was like, "Remember when we saw Katy Perry?" She's like, "No," I'm like, "Well, <laughs> what a waste of time and resources it's if you so, don't remember it." You know,
4: it's so true, and and also kids are really into really dumb things. Like my nine-month-old, if you took her to Disney World, like people do that. Yeah, or you could give her. I, the other day, I gave her my keys. Super pumped about that. Mm-hmm. Um, a little cheaper. I also, it's so funny, Rudy, because I've never been to Disney World either, and my siblings always blame it on me because my mom said, well, wait till Brittany turns five, and I'm the youngest.
7: Mm-hmm.
4: As, you know, I act that way. You, would, you wouldn't have to guess that I'm the youngest. I'm the youngest. I'm the baby. And so it was always, when Brittany turns five, when Brittany turns five, and then that's when my parents got divorced. To this day, they're like, if you would have just turn five a little
5: fucking <laughs> earlier
4: we would have been able to go that's
5: hilarious yeah
4: and so my sister now is like we're going to disney like we at some point Brittany, we're going okay yeah so yeah you're gonna have to represent all of us uh
5: wish we would have absolutely yeah so don you might probably know a little bit more about the story i did kind of just glance over it the other day so what is it that DeSantos is talking about taking over disney like what is he talking? Because he kind of they made a mention. Like obviously no revenue or anything like that. But is he talking about like just the logistics of Disney? Well, there will be a revenue
6: end because oh, okay. he is also saying there are special tax breaks, which have been in existence uh, for years and years and years in Orlando and throughout the state, because in order to attract them there, they were given a bunch of tax breaks as. Many, many construction projects, even in Minnesota, uh-huh. uh, they extend these, uh, these tax, stopping the tax levy on uh, a certain number of things. It's a sweetheart deal, but it's a sweetheart deal constructed so you will make sure you get that business to start with, the big tourism sure. business. Well, uh, he said that's going to end. So he says, no more. Uh, Disney can't uh, run Florida anymore. And then what has gotten strange, especially to conservatives, because conservatives say, get the government out of private business. Yeah. Well, he has said, if you don't agree with me, even in your printed writings, even in your publications, even in your cartoons, if they don't conform to Governor DeSantis' point of view, then... Uh, I will sue you. Whoa. So then the uh, real conservatives in Congress are going, wait a minute. That No, we're trying to get government out of the lives of business. You're putting business in control. I mean, p- pardon me, government in control of business. And so that's been their major beef.
5: Yeah. That was like what was so confusing about it because I'm like, aren't you on the side of people that talk yes.
6: about keeping yes.
7: you know, yeah. your nose
5: out of private business? Yes. Separate, you know?
7: Yeah.
6: Wow. wow, Huh. Now, since we're talking about Disney World, I, I have a Disneyland story. Please. Out yes. in Anaheim. And uh, this comes from, <laughs> I, it must have been 25, 30 years ago. I was watching SNL. Mhm. You remember Jack Handy used to do deep thoughts. Yeah, yep. And right? now deep thoughts. Wow. Deep thoughts with yeah. Okay. It's so, so good. And so uh I will I will try to do word for word oh, <laughs> God. what he said. Yes. <clears throat> I promised my kids that I would take them to Disneyland. But I found out I didn't have the money. So I put my kids in the car, and we drove around town for the next two hours until I came to an address that I knew was a warehouse that had burned down. And I pulled up, and I said, Kids? (laughs) 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 We're about to pull into Disneyland. Oh, my God. It's burned down. <laughs>
7: <laughs> oh, that's so bad. Oh, as soon as you said the burned down
4: warehouse, you could just hear me and Rudy just giggle. Like, oh, no. No, he won't.
3: Yes, he did.
4: Oh, that's, that's the most beautiful haiku extension I've ever heard in my life. I don't think we're going to beat that. we got a lot of great stuff on the show. We're going to have Kristen Burt up next here on the Tom Bernard Show with Don Shelby.
9: Hi, I'm Mike Bryant. The latest statistics are out for 2022. And although 48 states, including Minnesota, have texting and driving laws in place, many American drivers still take part in this dangerous practice daily. According to the National Safety Council, cell phone use while driving led to 1.6 million crashes and nearly 309,000 injuries occur each year from accidents caused by texting while driving. Scariest of all, over 3,000 deaths are caused by texting and driving. And these are only the numbers that have been verified. Who knows how many more there actually were? The bottom line is this. In Minnesota, we have the hands-free law in place for a reason, to keep you and those around you safe. The simple solution is please don't text and drive. It's against the law. By practicing safe driving habits, you can break the cycle of distracted
0: driving. Find Bradshaw and Bryant, personal injury attorneys at minnesotapersonalinjury.com.
7: Seeking justice for the injured, Bradshaw
10: and Bryant. Tom here. Why should your business work with my friends at North American Banking Company? Here's Minnesota hockey legend, Winnie Brown of OS Hockey.
0: North American Banking Company has really allowed our business to grow over the years because whenever we have a question, we have the convenience of being able to walk in or we know exactly who to call to get things done.
10: To learn more about North American Banking Company, go to nabanco.com. That's nabankco.com. Or visit any one of their Twin Cities locations. Member FDIC, equal housing lender.
0: My brother-in-law died suddenly
11: Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, call SelectQuote at 1-800-330-1991. That's 1-800-330-1991. Or go to SelectQuote.com. That's 1-800-330-1991. Select quote. We shop. You save full details on example policies at selectquote.com slash commercials.
0: What do you mean he went searching for fresher powder? We have full classes today. Instructor down at Vesper Ski School. Support each other to snowplow, honey. Not a way. She needs more ski instructors to slalom through the day-to-day.
3: Pizza, fries. Whoa, braley No, pizza, pizza.
0: Indeed can help her hire great people fast. I need Indeed. Indeed you do. We instantly connect you with quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description. Visit indeed.com slash credit and get $75 towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply.
12: And what
0: do you think?
12: I think it's time to tell people to choose wisely. Choose Wendy's sweet and crispy homestyle French toast sticks.
0: That's still not an answer. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours.
3: This is the Tom Bernard Morning Show podcast. Well, Tom is not here today.
6: <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Live, he is in the Disney World right now, and uh, but Brittany is here, and I'm Don Shelby, uh, sitting in for Tom, my great friend. And I am uh, so honored to be in this chair because he was uh, and always will be uh, one of my uh, truly great friends in the kind of level that uh, dudes have that kind of transcends just plain old friendship. Yeah. I mean, there's like I, I have uh, maybe a thousand people who would fall under the category of friends,
7: mm-hmm.
6: maybe three where you can just tell the truth. That was described to me that the fr- a friend was the guy where you would uh, call him up in the middle of the night and say, hey, what are you doing? Um, Nothing. It's 2 o'clock in the morning, uh, so I'm sleeping. Uh, hey, could you do me a favor? "Oh, well, yeah, I guess. Could you help me move a body? <laughs> so they say, bury a hooker? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah bury <laughs> a hooker. Anything. Hookers, yes, Hookers? Yeah. yeah. And they say, yes, of course. I'll be right there, you know, uh, in a blink of an eye. Yeah. And, um, and Tom's one of those. I could call him, and and he could call me and ask for anything, lawful or unlawful.
4: I mean, I am terrified because there was eye contact made, as we said, we could bury a body. <laughs> yeah. But I'm also going, yeah, you need that. Like, you need that. You can't—and you, you know what's funny is— you don't get many of them, but if you have one, you're lucky.
5: Yeah, I always think about that Pearl Jam song with Eddie Vedder, where he says that the line is, "I'm a lucky man to count on both hands the ones I love," ah. and like, and I don't know, i I'm just yeah. maybe because wow. I've only, I only have mostly I have five, maybe six people in my life outside of like my mom, but uh, that I I consider to be awesome, true, really good friends that are super tight, but uh, I don't understand the people that. Like, we met in kindergarten and we've been best friends ever since. I'm like, yeah. did you not go travel the planet? Like, there's billions of people around, and that's the person you decided to hit your wagon to for the rest of your that's life. Like, great. I, 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 that's the thing, that it's so amazing that you can find somebody like that. Yeah. I just, to me, like, it just doesn't. Cause even family members, I'm like, eh, I could take or leave you people. Like, I don't, I'd trade half of you for a Hawaiian style pizza. Like, I don't care. You know, I don't get it. I, yeah. It's
4: funny though, cause it's when you meet that person, I met my best friend in 19. 90- grade. It was like a combining of elementary schools to the high school. And I was like, you can it's just like that. Yeah. And we have been best friends since and we will always be best friends and we went to a kind of high school that you a lot of times meet and marry your husband there, but I was like, I was just so happy I met Michelle <laughs> to this day. And we almost never hang out because we just talk all the, I mean we text all day all the time always. And you're right if I was like, listen <laughs> Something happened to Justin. He's a great father, nice. decent partner. Right. We need to get rid of this body. She'd yeah. be like, all right, I'm coming to the suburbs. Like, here I come.
7: <laughs> <Good>.
4: <laughs> and, that's, and that's amazing to have yeah. at even just one person like
6: that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, right on. Yeah, I, we're, we're very lucky people. Uh, to even have one friend. Yeah. Sure. Um, because life can be uh, kind of lonely, yeah. Absolutely. If you, if you don't have someone that you can reach out to, and a lot of people will say my best friend is my spouse.
7: Yeah.
6: Um, I hate those people. Yeah, they're they're lying. <laughs> they're lying. Uh, they're,
7: oh God, Tom would kill
6: you of both. They're they're lying in this sense of you would define a friend as someone to whom you could tell the truth without fear. Yeah. I don't think that's true, uh, and I've been married uh, 50 years, so uh, there are things that I couldn't possibly tell my wife. Yeah. Like what, Don? Please go into detail. Okay.
4: <laughs> He's actually pulled out a list. Some of it's highlighted. Scroll. a
6: scroll? Um, no, because it goes to uh, um, uh, Mark Twain, uh, who uh, wrote an autobiography, and he said, basically, don't believe a word of this. Because this is the me that I have constructed. yeah, And I'm leaving out all the bad parts. And he said, it's true of every autobiography ever written. No one just tells you the worst thing that they've ever done. And there are things in my life that uh, I am uh, ashamed of. Mm -hmm. I don't want the image she has of me to be wrecked. Forever yeah, forever to say. You, you did what? Sure. And so we protect ourselves. We are not that true, but with a friend like Tom, yeah, uh, there's no penalty. There's no penalty for that. There's no judgment for that.
4: And I think it's appreciated. Well, in the pandemic, and then having a kiddo, me and my husband, we kind of hit a point where we were. We weren't buffering enough for each other. And we had like a sit down talk of like, dude, we, we gotta, we gotta like be a little, like we like loved each other, but we weren't very like nice to each other. It was like, we both need to put on a, like 2% a little fakeness when we're exhausted and we were passing yes. through the, night. Na- like, I want, I want a little, some niceties around here. Sure. And we both agreed. We're both like, yeah, I think we left everything, every, you know, we'd come home leaving every inch, you know, percent of us out in the world or he would, you know, was on these Zoom calls all day and then it was like, you know, the face went from uh huh, yeah, sounds good, sign off and then just like, hey, what are you gonna eat? You gonna eat that? I was like, Yeah, I think we need to I think we need to (laughs) like pretend a little
7: bit. Absolutely. Yes. I need
4: some niceties. And he's it was so funny with that realization of like, oh yeah, like I I shouldn't be my true blue, I'm sitting alone in the dark eating self. With my husband, like I think a little bit of it, it goes a long way.
6: My wife says uh, something to me once every three or four years, and it just knocks me flat because it is absolutely true. She says, "You treat total strangers better than you treat me." Mm, sure. That
4: that gets me to my core because I same. For myself and my husband, a thousand, especially me, I will make sure that the person in the grocery line, I do if they drop something or whatever, the niceties and the yeah, oh you don't worry, I'll do all that for them. My husband, you idiot, you dropped this. Like, (laughs) what are you? Why are you carrying forty-five things? You know what I mean? Yeah. And when somebody says that, you're right. It's so funny because it's not like you don't see that coming, but when it hits, you go.
6: Exactly right. Exactly. And it does have an effect of changing you. Totally. Because once you have absorbed that and you uh, are are in reckon with it, and that means to say, you've just spoken truth to me. Mm -hmm. The truth, I actually feel, yes, you're right. Yeah, Uh, Something's got to change. And things do change for four or five days. (laughs) Uh, Then I go back to being myself.
4: And that that percentage thing always hits true because my big thing was I would— um, especially when I worked promotions and stuff like that, I would leave everything, every ounce of energy I would put into, yeah, 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 you got to check out the show. You got to, and I'd come home with nothing. Hmm. And somebody told me, he's like, you got to hide 30% of that for your husband. Ah. Like, you need to save some of that energy for your husband. And ever since, again, it'll go, it doesn't always hit and I think it's funny, even your interaction usually doesn't go, I go, you're right. There's usually like big old dramatic fight in between, and eventually I get to. I, you know what you said yeah, oh, exactly. at the beginning of that argument? Actually, if I would have just said, you're right, we probably could have ordered pizza and avoided this and been watching Netflix by now. Yeah. But you're right. Those, tr- those truths, man, they cut you.
5: Well, it goes both ways, too, about the good and the bad. Because yeah. I've never been able to figure out couples that just— with the door open (laughs) in front of each other. I don't get it because I'm like, listen, here's the deal. Uh, If you, you know, gal I'm dating, will shut the door and don't talk to me about all the gross stuff that goes on inside the bathroom, I will pretend I have to go out To the garage to get something and let one rip and not fart in front of you because i'm like just isn't that so funny just just save a little bit of mystery like i don't want to know this stuff i want to look at you and still be i want to think of you as this sexy being i want you to think of me in the same way where i'm just not letting all of me out there
4: and we like it's funny where we draw the line like peeing no big deal but if you're gonna go number two shut the door like i do not want to make eye contact with even my kid you know i'm like are you pooping right now? Like,
5: we can, I can look somewhere else. Now have some decency and run the faucet while you're in there so but, I don't have to hear this out in the living room.
4: But sometimes it's so funny because we hit that point. And it's not because, you know, I had my kid and my husband watch that happen. It was all hands on deck after. That's when all the walls went away. I was walking around shirtless with either a pump or a baby on a really weird looking boob. And like, that's where we hit a level of like all that went out the window. Yeah, But you can come back from that. Now, you know, like I will find myself being like, well, we're going to dinner. Like I found this old mascara under the couch. Maybe I'll use that I'm sure has (laughs) going to give me pink eye. It's fine. You know what I mean? Like, I think you can hit that point where you have to be full exposure and then go, let's just reel it in just a half inch, you know, like maybe like I won't put ice pads in my you know underwear in front of you today
5: yeah because that becomes the new level of intimacy yeah and i don't want that i don't want i don't want to see that stuff i will help you i whatever it is that you need i will give that to you but i don't want i want you to still look at me as somebody who is working hard to be what like a uh somebody that you look at as you are still attracted to and just not somebody who is like Oh, man, I still so, I got to wash your dirty undies like, ugh, no, it's, thanks. It's just so
6: ah, eh, I don't like that. The other side of that uh, equation is yeah. that it is so exhausting. And I know, Brittany, you, you have experienced this and you've seen this in your life. It is, it is exhausting to be on all the time. And that, yes. you, that is what you are with strangers yes. because their expectation is, oh, this is the person on radio, this person on TV. That's their expectation. You want to meet that expectation. But it is exhausting oh, just to be you all the time. And the, the great benefit is there is at home a haven yeah. where you don't have to act, where you don't have to perform, where you can just. I'll walk around in your underwear and, and, yeah. uh, you know, say what's for dinner.
4: It's so true. And it's walking that balance, right? Yeah. Of like, he is my safe space. I mean, like I said, he's think, seen things come out of me that I didn't even know were there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and
6: like it talk took me a while, truck. by the way, after uh, watching the first kit. Yeah. I went. that can do that i know holy (laughs) crap that doesn't even look like a thing anymore you
4: know what's so funny i think my husband would be get down with the get down with the you know below the equator line that wasn't bad but losing the boobs for him that was a hard one like like, those have other functions than what i've been using them for (laughs) that was a hard realization and we just recently have been getting back to that world of like yeah you can, you know, these other, yeah, we can pretend they didn't do these other things.
7: Mm-hmm.
4: <laughs> but um, no, you're so right. And it's, I always, I have to go back to being very thankful to my husband because, yeah, he doesn't want me to come in and be like, you know, make him laugh or, you know, be that extra sweetness because he is my safe space. And we're always, it sucks too, because you, I do this to my mom and I do this to my husband. It sucks when you realize that you, you're the shittiest to the people that you just Love yes. the
7: most. Yes. Yeah.
4: yes. And that's the realization. Every time that hits me like a wave, I'll call my mom and be like, I love you so much. I'm so sorry for everything. I love you. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I
6: let slip probably, uh, you should let this slip zero times. But I let it slip. I have let it slip three times in 50 years. Is that what you're wearing? Oh, what are you doing, Don? No, no. Three times in 50 years. <laughs> yeah. Because I have, I'm have, i quizzical, and I ask questions I'm quizzical. for a living. <laughs> And I, 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 a s- I know I got the invitation, and it says formal. And you, uh, uh, are, you so wearing, are you wearing that? And Don, I'm not going.
4: Don, there is a song. So don't
6: fuck yourself. Don, <laughs> there- You're going by yourself. There's
4: a song. What?
10: what I, I just asked a question.
4: There's a song that's going around right now, and it's, you say, you know, it, it goes, Dumb ways to die. And, like, you saying, what are you wearing right now, the only thing is, like, a freeze frame of, like, dumb ways to die. Yeah. So many dumb ways to die. That's it. End of story. I mean, it just shows you you're probably one of the most intelligent people I've ever had the pleasure of talking to. Man, you people can say dumb things. Oh
5: man, when my when my daughter's mom was pregnant, we were like four days away from birth, and we I'll never forget it because we were driving on France Avenue in Edina, and I just we were just talking about like post baby, like some of the things. Oh, my mom's gonna be here for ten days or whatever it is. And for some reason, I don't know why, I asked it. It was like it was just in my brain, went to my mouth, and came right out. I just said, "Uh, so after the baby's born you plan on going to the gym right what oh. is wrong with you but, I, but oh. I meant it as like not like you need to get back into shape i meant it as like hey so if you're going to go to the gym we're going to have to work out a schedule uh-huh. so that, but that's what i thought was yeah. hey we're, we're, if you want to go not a problem we just got to make sure that there's going to be somebody around like if that's what you but of course it sounded like so we're going to get tight again after this right because yeah. so- i, yeah, I would
3: have abso- cried
4: oh she balled I would Bald. have cried because, like, hormones and you feel not like yourself at all. Like, I would have bawled yeah. in front of you. Yeah. yeah. Especially because you're, like, fit and annoying. Like, my husband, same way, he looked amazing. And when, when that baby came out, he was taking these photos. He was looking like a male model holding our child. And, like, I look back at those photos and I'm like, what 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 <laughs> you know of course and you you just know it and yeah. you're, it's beautiful and I would say that there's a level of acceptance you have with your body that I've never had before that I'm now experiencing that is amazing where I go I'm okay with this sure but that would have broke me and oh. Did you guys ever get to a place where you like explained what you were saying, or like nine
5: seconds later? Okay, good. Because I was like, oh no, 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 that didn't. I didn't mean it like that. that, Yeah, that didn't solve the problem. Absolutely. Oh God, no. 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 Two days she didn't talk to me. In fact, we were actually like we were probably about forty-eight hours away from my daughter being born. And she's like, so I think I'm going to have my friend Sarah in the room with me. And I was like, because we weren't married or anything. Yeah. And I was like, you mean when are you give, like, before birth? And she's like, no, during. And I'm like, you are still pissed about this gym thing, aren't you?
6: And she's like, yes. I was like, God damn it, sorry.
5: That sticks with you.
6: Yes, it does. Uh, yes, have, it does. I Also, now, my oh, brain no. is turning. Oh, no. What is <laughs> Since wrong? you brought this subject up, I think I said... After the second or third child, I said, uh, how long, uh, on an average basis, does it uh, take to lose the uh, baby fat that you... (laughs) What is wrong with you, man? I was curious. Yes. I was curious how long does it take.
1: Be curious
4: in a room somewhere else. You guys are the worst. (laughs) I cannot... (laughs)
5: <laughs> yeah. Well, at least you could have Googled that one, Don. Yes. Yes, <laughs> I could How long does have. it take? Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. You guys want to talk to uh, Kristen Burt? Yeah.
7: Absolutely.
6: Kristen Burt is here, ladies right. and gentlemen. We Always an, good to see her. Yeah, we got an opener for her. Hang on one second. Okay. We go.
5: Looking for the hottest scoops on today's Hollywood stars? Who wouldn't love to go to Hollywood? It's time for the Entertainment Report on the Tom Bernard Show with entertainment reporter Kristen Burt.
4: Hey. Kristen what's it like in Hollywood? That- it was snowing yesterday.
13: Yes. Uh, yes I know we've we've had some crazy weather here but hopefully we're on our way to spring at some point I don't know what's going on. <laughs> but lots of good TV talk for you guys today because uh, there's a lot of good shows coming so if you're thinking what am I going to watch I got a few suggestions coming your way so um, yesterday, after I left you guys, I went and interviewed Carrie Washington. Mm, so I like name drop right there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, which was great. Um, but she's got a new show coming up next week, March 10th, um, on Hulu called *Unprisoned*. Um, and they they say it's a comedy, but I would say it's a, I would use that term lightly because I, it goes a little bit deeper about her father and daughter relationship. Delroy Lindo, who is amazing yes. in this series, I watched all eight episodes is uh, a father who's coming out of prison after 17 years and moves in with his daughter, who happens to be Carrie Washington. And that's where the humor comes in, I think, like some of the shenanigans that he tries to pull, like coming back into like regular life. But um, so well acted. I think people are really going to like this. Fast, 30-minute episodes. Honestly, I binge-watched all eight episodes just sitting right there, no problem.
6: Wow. Well, okay. I, I love both of those actors that you just mentioned. Fabulous oh. actors.
13: So good. And, and I'll tell you, Carrie, like you never know when you go into interviews, too. I'm sure you guys have experienced this. Like some, you're like you're expecting one thing, you get another. You're like, oh, um, Carrie is just as lovely as you think she would be. She was an absolute delight to interview. So excited. About, I was excited about that because I really love her work
5: and a great theater actor, too, I believe. Right. Yeah. Oh, yes. I mean, yes. both of them are, right.
7: are,
4: are, are tremendous actors. Yeah. Both of them. And. You said this is where streaming where. I know I know you said I missed it. Oh, that's okay. Hulu. It's oh, starting cool. March tenth. March tenth. Okay. Yeah, you're right. There's I feel like you were talking about this. There's like so many shows coming out and this one you feel like isn't under that uh guise of being thrown out because of the lack of um content. Yeah.
13: Yeah. No, this one is good. Carrie uh, Washington is one of the executive producers on this too. Um, so she's really well invested in it. And they, they leave you, I'm going to let you know, they leave you on a cliffhanger. <sighs> and I asked her, I'm like, have you heard about a season two already from Hulu? And she said, nope, not yet, but fingers crossed. And they leave you hanging. So I'm like, if Hulu does not deliver... A second season, I'll be
4: mad. That should be illegal.
5: Yeah, because they did that on Fox with The Last Man on Earth. Do you yeah. remember that show? Yes. Yes, it was so good. And then they, the last scene they ever had is they're like sitting out in the desert, and then the camera goes over like a sand dune, and there's 50 people that you've never seen all sitting in the sand dune. You're like, who are they? And then it just rolls to the credits, and they're like, you'll find out next season. And then it never
4: came back. That yeah. should be illegal. Yes. Yes. yes, awful. Punishable by death.
13: Yes, I haven't forgiven Netflix for leaving me hanging on Glow. That was one of my favorite series. Oh, Glow too, was fun.
4: Film. Yes, oh.
5: so good. Mark Marin and Allison Brie. Oh, like, they were oh, sp- they were supposed so- to be a couple. Why did they not get together?
13: Oh, it was so good and of course, you know, it got canceled during the whole pandemic and then there were thoughts that maybe they would do a film out of it just to kind of wrap up the storyline and that never happened either. So, I'm yeah. I'm mad at Netflix about that one.
4: That one in the OA. I don't know if you guys ever watched the OA that one they left hanging and like, I'm probably going to spend my life trying to get, I'm, I'm just going to have to write fan fiction and make it myself at this point.
13: Do they realize the trauma they're causing? No, <laughs> they us?
4: don't.
6: Christian, do you find it harder and harder to break news uh, from Hollywood uh, during COVID? Because uh, I know this for myself. I presume that there are other people who feel this way, but uh, I binge watched uh, more television during COVID than I have in my entire life. I watched every movie. I go through Netflix or I'll go through Prime or I'll go, I'll go seen it, seen it, seen it, seen it. I have watched everything. Do you find that people have just uh, been saturated with uh, movies in Hollywood?
13: I do think that because everyone did binge watch, especially during the lockdown period of the pandemic, that a lot of people want less screen time in terms of like watching TV and movies. And where did they head? They went to TikTok. And Hollywood is competing with TikTok and the content that's being put out there. And in fact, Hollywood Reporter did a great article, I think about two days ago. It's on my Twitter feed if anyone wants to look for it. They are actually inviting TikTok creators to the red carpet to all of the award shows and movie premieres because they're trying to generate interest. And they're thinking if your favorite TikTok creator is actually there at the Oscars, maybe it'll get you to watch the show. They are just desperate oh, for anything.
5: It dr—it kind of drives me nuts with these influencers. It, as as a comedian, because I've had to open up for people that are, uh, you know, in. I opened up for this kid who's on Instagram and he's got like 15 million followers. And he's 19 years old. Huh. So I was doing five shows with him. The Thursday night show, I go do the show, and then I'm like, hey, man, I'm really tired. It's been a long week. I'm going to bolt out of here early, but I'll hang around tomorrow. We'll catch your set. I watched his first 10 minutes. He was okay. I left. I came back the next night, and the owner of the club's like, hey, by the way, can you uh, do like an extra 15 tonight? And I was like, why is that? He goes, because our boy can only do like 25 minutes. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, yeah, he's like, "He's 19 years old. He doesn't have an hour's worth of material. <laughs> Like, he just got 15 million followers in six months. They're putting him in comedy clubs. Don't get me wrong. It was five shows sold out. Unbelievable. But yeah, everybody else that was under the under the kid who was on the marquee, we all had to do extra time because this kid could barely do 25 minutes of material. Gosh. Yeah. So, That's
13: like Joe Gorga from, I think, Real Housewives yes. in New Jersey. Yes.
5: It drives me nuts. Oh, I hate it. Yeah.
13: Suddenly, they're stand up comedians. And there was a rumor going around just two days ago that Tom Brady was interested in his retirement phase of like maybe exploring stand-up comedy. I'm like, do you realize that you have to go out there for years and years to develop an act?
5: Yeah, you have to pound it out. And I'm sure he's got enough money and enough clout. He could probably get some writers, but he should ask John Mayer what it's like to start a stand-up comedy career. Because John Mayer tried it for about three months. It was like, you know what? I'm going to stick to the guitar.
6: Yeah, yeah,
7: Yeah.
6: (laughs) And also (laughs) the timing. There, There is absolutely no replacement for timing. And the only way you get timing is performing years and years and years in front of the audience because sometimes in the delivery of a line mm-hmm. or you're doing a chunk, you really you think you know where the laugh line is, but they find something in the middle of it Funnier, oh, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah, that happens. So then you've got to rework that, yeah. so your pacing changes. Mm-hmm. So uh, you can't be uh, Henny Youngman, or you can't be uh, Lenny Bruce. You just can't get up and say things and hope it works, because uh, it just. If if you look at uh, Big Bang Theory, there was a rule in Big Bang Theory when they were writing it that at minimum. There had to be a laugh every 20 seconds or sure. shorter. Yeah. And I was listening the other day uh, to uh, my wife was watching Big Bang reruns, and I was looking at my clock, and I'll be damned, every 20 seconds, just hilarious laughter. Yeah.
5: Yeah. Yeah, they, they they set it up like that with Modern Family as well. Yeah, like where it's, it's every every line is either a setup or a punchline. Yeah, every, and that's no joke. If you go back and you just read the scripts, every line is a setup or a punchline. There's no filler in any of those episodes. The best setups I like
6: are the ones that uh, they start the gig with. Mm-hmm. They do a setup, and it kind of goes nowhere. But when they end the that curtain, right before they walk off it all comes back to that first line. Oh, yeah.
5: yeah. Well, it's a yeah. beautiful it's a callback yeah. of it all. Very Curb Your
6: Enthusiasm-esque yeah. to yeah.
5: start with something and yeah. then at the end of it, bring it all back. Our, yeah.
4: You know, like um, Arrested Development, I mean, they would do callbacks to all sorts of little things that they had put little Easter eggs in, so it's like all of a sudden you're like, I need to watch this three or four times. <laughs> yes. Like, love that.
7: Yeah.
5: I, to get back to your point about you know how long it takes, Dawn, there was a gal that I had met, this is like, I don't know, two months ago, I did a show and then I got off stage, I was in the back of the club, and this gal comes up. She goes, hey, you were really funny. I said, oh, thank you very much. She goes, yeah. She goes, I I came here two weeks ago and did their open mic for the first time. I said, oh, how'd it go? She goes, I killed... I was like, wow, well, good well, for you. That's fantastic. Well. I said, so how, how, how do you plan on getting into comedy? She goes, well, I think what I'll probably do is come here like once a month for about six months until I get really good. And then I'll get really funny and then I'll just probably stop wow. doing it. And I said, I said well, that's great. Uh, this is my third set tonight. Yeah. Because I went to two other clubs earlier for like the early show and then came to this one for the late one just to be able to get more stage time. So uh, you let me know child. how that goes in poor six months. Child. Like what kind of, you know, uh, narcissism runs through you to think that you're going to be hilarious by doing six sets in a half a year. What? Yes.
1: It's
13: yeah. so easy. It's no big deal, Rudy. Come on. Yeah, it's exactly. super
5: easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ugh. Christian,
6: I was going to tell you that uh, there is also news about TikTok because they will start limiting to uh, one hour of viewing per day, kids 12 and under. They're going to put a timer on TikTok just to stop the kids from literally binging.
13: It it is very addicting. Anyone who's scrolled on TikTok, you know, 15 minutes all of a sudden becomes an hour. And I don't know if anyone was paying attention to the news this week, too. If you have TikTok on your government device, if you work for the government, obviously, you have to remove it. They're done. They're like... They're really concerned about security.
6: Oh yeah, that makes sense. Not just cybersecurity, but the uh, data gathering that's uh, going on. Um, I don't know if you uh, have watched on television. I think it is Prime, uh, the Social Dilemma. Mm-hmm. Mm, yes, unbelievable piece Very good. because. Yeah. Um, and this is not a political statement but conservatives and liberals agree that there seems to be way too much gathering of information by governments they don't want government to have all of our information yeah. and they do have a lot they but have a lot. but when it comes to tech companies it's an order of magnitude greater in terms of the uh, not just the gathering of information but the guiding of your behavior As a result of your viewing patterns, they can tell what mood you're in. They can tell uh, whether you're lonely. They can tell whether you're happy. Uh, Not just uh, what we all know about, we're going to send this commercial to you because of your past behavior. That's a simple algorithm. It is way scarier than that.
13: I even agree with the TikTok and anyone who goes on the FYP, which is for you page. If you start to show interest in a certain topic or, you know, you watch things, it, the next video will then generate uh, that topic that you have just like kind of spent a, a moment or two watching. And it's really specific to and quite I think that's the one thing, the algorithm at TikTok kind of scares me because I'm like, how did they know that I was searching this or thinking about this or doing this? And they are monitoring your behavior. It's
4: so bad. And if you're not in a good mental headspace, like right after I had my kiddo, I was anxious. I've never been an anxiety person. And I was so anxious about danger, death, all these things. You know, I was staring at her breathing. All of a sudden there was a video that was like, hey, you know, foods that, you know, prevent choking. Okay, I'll watch that and next thing i know i will jump on my for you page and it's like here's this one kid murdered or thrown from a boat or this you know all because the, they feed into your anxiety and it was just multiplied. I mean, wow. I, had, I had a point where I go, if there was anything that was like, this baby was be like, oh my God, I had to switch because I wanted them to know that, like, please don't show me that anymore. I like, want that. I yeah. Yeah, the anxiety... if people don't
13: know, you can hit the not interested button too yeah. if
4: you press down
13: on it just to kind of clear your FYP. It's, yeah. it's scary though.
5: I just got on a TikTok and I had to, like, because Brittany is all about it, knows more about it than anybody I've met. And after about 12 hours on it, I text her. I go, how do I get TikTok to stop showing me all these big ass ladies dancing all over the place. I just want to watch MMA fights and how to tie fishy knots. That's it. And she's like, you got to tell TikTok to not show you that stuff. I'm yeah. like, thank God.
13: God. i been mean, like cat TikTok, where people find like a, a lost kitten and then they adopt it. It's a happy ending. Yeah. And so I keep on going, when's it going to happen to me when I'm walking down the street and a little kitten comes
4: up to me manifest it. I'm working on it as well. Every business meeting me, they me and Rudy have to go to, I, part of my introduction is like, and I also am going to own a cat someday. <laughs> you got to manifest <laughs> mm-hmm. it. You're going to find a cat.
13: I don't need any more, honestly, but
6: <laughs> so I was watching MI five, a Brit box, uh, piece that ran 10 seasons, I watched all of these, and I was had my phone with me, and so I was Googling uh, words that they were saying that I'm not fully aware of. Oh, you are so smart. And, <laughs> and so, I know it's <laughs> exhausting. But so <laughs> I'm, on, on my search, on my search over that period of two weeks, I, uh, schematics for a neutron bomb. Homemade napalm. Yeah. I, I, and I started getting uh, notices uh, from uh, Al shabaab Whoa.
4: Oh my God, <laughs> Todd, burn that phone! Yeah,
6: right. I'm thinking, well, if Al shabaab is saying uh, this guy is a likely candidate, yeah,
4: what's CIA the
6: government saying? Sure. What, what's the FBI saying not about gr- me?
4: Not great. <laughs>
3: Not great. So, I haven't, I have, have googled, thing, I have not Googled
6: not googled anything akin. I started doing uh, kitties.
0: Yes. Good call. Sure. Good call. Yeah. yeah cats and dogs. It's a safer place. But you guys, I
13: have two more shows I want to throw out yes. at you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, okay. So, we're talking about Amazon Prime. So, March 17th, Swarm. And this is based off it. it's a young woman. She has an obsession with a pop star that takes a dark turn. If you, Think of the name Swarm. What type of pop star would you think of?
7: S- uh, I don't
5: know. Yeah? S- oh, like uh, B, like a B, yeah. Beyonce. Oh, Beyonce, like a
13: Queen Bee. Wow. Yes. wow. So this is be- uh, this is loosely based off of Beehive, supposedly. Um, and what's so interesting is that it is um, written by Donald Glover. If anyone's watched the Atlanta series, he's fantastic.
7: Yeah. Very but talented.
13: one of the writers on the show is Malia Obama.
6: Oh, my yeah, God. Really?
13: How Barack old- Obama's oldest daughter is one of the writers on the show, and they brought her in because they didn't have any younger voices on the show, and she's been interning for years in Hollywood, and this is her first major job. Wow. Kind of interesting. What
5: was she interning as? Is she a writer? I guess I don't know much about her.
13: She is. You know, she um, she went to Harvard. <laughs> I'm like, but, you know, of course, like Nepo Baby in terms of having great connections. But she did. Um, she was a production assistant on Girls. Um, while she was in college, she – I'm going to drop this name and everyone's going to go, oh, grown." But she did intern for the Weinstein Company for quite a bit before all of the Harvey yeah. Weinstein stuff dropped.
5: It would have been she, weird if she did I it after. <laughs> super
4: weird it like. She's 24
5: and yeah, that blows parent. my mind. Yeah, right? yeah. I was yeah. going
7: to
4: ask how old she is, but she's 24. That's 24. wild. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's like but I guess
13: – all the Obamas are out here in California. Uh, their da- other daughter, Sasha goes, I think she's in her senior year at USC, university of Southern California. Can you saw an episode of this? Haven't seen an episode. They dropped the trailer just about five days ago, but I think it's going to be a huge hit, especially for Gen Z.
4: Oh, I'm excited. And what, what's yeah. the, the other show you're talking about as well? Last
13: one. It's a, it's a reboot. It's like a revival, but it's Fatal Attraction. Okay. Paramount Plus is doing this. They dropped the uh, trailer yesterday. This doesn't come out until April 30th, so I don't have a screener copy yet, but it is completely based off of the 1987 movie with Michael Douglas and Glenn Close. This time it stars Lizzie Kaplan and Joshua Jackson. It uh, goes a little bit deeper into sort of how um, office politics have changed and sexual harassment. Views have changed, so I'm kind of looking forward to this uh, modern spin on it, but it looks good.
6: I want to ask you, before you go, Kristen, um, do you know anything about the, any new uh, Gerard Butler pieces? Because I will watch anything Gerard Butler is in, even if it's shit. I will find that it is uh, absolutely the best thing ever.
13: Don, I have a deal. You're back tomorrow, right? Yes. I'm gonna come up with a whole Gerard <laughs> Butler segment just for you. <laughs> oh yeah. Nice. Go with that Thank and see you. how much like, you truly know about Gerard. I'm gonna get working on it today and I'm gonna deliver it tomorrow morning.
6: Wonderful. Thank you so <laughs> much. Oh my. Fantastic. It, let, real, real quick, Kristen, I just because I know the trailer
5: came out the other day for it, but have you ever seen Dave on FX? Yes. Phenomenal. I do. The first two seasons are absolutely stunning. Do you guys oh, know what I'm talking right. about, yeah. Dave? Yeah. So, yeah, Dave is, when the when the trailer first dropped for the first season, I was like, nah, eh, whatever, just some kind of dumb, you know, whatever. It's another one of these shows that are just going to push on us, and maybe I'll watch an episode or two. I, I've watched the first two seasons probably three times, and now the, wow. uh, season three is coming out next. Really, it, even if it's not your thing, because it's about a Jewish kid who's a, who's a white rapper, mm-hmm. it might not be your thing, but it's really more about the relationship that he has with friends and how they're building this thing. It's kind of like Entourage in a way, but I think of Which, a much a much funnier okay. version of Entourage, yeah.
13: Absolutely, yeah. Entourage d- dates itself. Like, you go back and watch and you're like, eh, those yeah. don't really hold up. But Dave, I think, is a lot fresher. Um, and for people that don't know, FX is on Hulu, so yeah, are oh, okay. able to find the FX shows on Hulu.
6: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I may be behind the curve on this if you've talked about it a lot with uh, Tom. Forgive me, but uh, you... Uh, Was absolutely fascinating. I watched uh, all of the seasons of you. Just incredible because of the the writing uh, and the uh, not the subconscious, but the narrative Uh of what was going on in the uh, the characters' minds. uh, That really wasn't on the page. wasn't part of the dialogue. And I just I loved the uh, entire concept.
13: Yeah. You know, one thing about you that came out of this season, Penn Badgley uh, talked at length in in any of his interviews that he had asked for less intimate scenes. I
6: saw that interview.
13: And I'm so interested to see if other actors will follow suit. Hollywood has taken a really good turn by hiring intimacy coordinators. So now all of these sex scenes are... Very well choreographed. Everyone's well protected. Everyone has discussions and dialogue like, how are you feeling? Just to check in because they're uncomfortable. And then they keep limited amount of crew members on the set. But I'm curious to see if other actors will follow suit if they also feel uncomfortable with those type of scenes and how Hollywood will respond.
6: Yeah, well, the response, at least according to uh, Badgley, was uh, he was a little tentative about making this approach to the showrunner and said, uh, I have a request. I kind of, you know, we very tentative in his approach. And they went, we get it. Absolutely. We get it. And yes, we will write that in.
13: And that's a great showrunner. Will other showrunners follow suit? Like what if you're on euphoria? How yeah. is that going to
6: uh, go? You yes. Know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're right about that.
4: Well, Kristen, you, like always, have been amazing. I'm so excited about you have a personalized Gerard Butler we're going to have tomorrow. Uh, so thanks again, Kristen. You bet. I'm going to have a reality show one for you coming. I just feel like <sighs> it You know, know, I, I feel sure. seen. When you t- First off, when you sneak in Real Housewives or anything reality, I feel seen, Kristen, and I appreciate that. You're the best.
13: All right. Slide in my DMs. Let me know your favorite shows, and we'll do a whole, like, Brit Segment too next week. Right. I'm terrified
4: and excited. It's perfect. <laughs> I love it. Awesome. Thanks again, Kristen. Until tomorrow. Bye, Kristen. We got a lot more coming up. Uh, we're going to get to some headlines, and we've got Chris Eggert in the next hour here on the Tom Bernard Morning Show with Don Shelby.
10: Well, just when you thought it couldn't get any better, Mike Lindell and MyPillow are launching MyPillow 2.0. When Mike invented MyPillow, it had everything you could ever want in a pillow. Now, nearly 20 years later, he discovered a new technology that makes MyPillow even better. The MyPillow 2.0 has the patented adjustable fill of the original MyPillow, and now with the brand new fabric that is made with a temperature-regulating thread. The MyPillow 2.0 is the softest, smoothest, and coolest pillow you'll ever own. Say goodbye to tossing and turning and flipping your pillow over in the middle of the night. And more great news on the MyPillow 2.0. Buy one, get one free offer with promo code TOM. MyPillow 2.0, with its temperature-regulating technology, is 100% made in the USA and comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Just go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio podcast square to receive the MyPillow 2.0 buy one, get one free offer. Just when you thought My Pillow couldn't get any better, My Pillow 2.0 gives you the best pillow ever. Enter promo code TOM or call 800-516-5146 to get your My Pillow 2.0s now. Tom Bernard here. You might not know this about me and about my family, but we're kind of Nissan strong. I say that because I own a Nissan Altima from Walzer Nissan. I love it. My son Andy owns a Nissan Rogue Sport from Walls Nissan. And my daughter-in-law Melissa, yup, you guessed it, drives the Nissan Kicks. And Cart's grandson Ethan safely around town, also purchased at Walzer Nissan. You want to know who else is Nissan strong in the Twin Cities? Walser Nissan and their trifecta of stores down south GM Dan Resch at Walzer, Nissan in Burnsville west of the metro just off Highway 12 and Yzetta Boulevard is Casey Novotny's Walzer Nissan Wysetta and in Coon Rapids north side of Highway 10 and Round Lake Boulevard Jay Buck runs the show at this Nissan store this month at all three Nissan dealerships score 0% financing on Rogues Altimas and Pathfinders with up to $1500 available loyalty cash on select models and with good credit Nissan Strong and loyal like me and my family, even if you're just Nissan curious, go to walzer.com and select the Walzer Nissan store nearest you. I'm due for an oil change. Maybe I'll see you there. When
9: you need someone to listen, a lawyer you know
0: and trust.
9: If you've never been in an auto accident, it's hard to know what to expect from the insurance adjuster. Here are some tips. One, if they taught you about whether or not you should hire a lawyer, it's a good sign that you probably should. Two, it's illegal for them to give you any legal advice. They aren't lawyers, and they aren't licensed to practice law. Three, if they tell you that everyone involved in the accident is at fault, they're wrong. This comes from the belief that you're at fault for just being on the road. That's nonsense and not supported by any law. Finally, remember that friendly adjusters are often just gaining information. They want you to do most of the talking so they can file their report. I'm Mike Bryant from Bradshaw and Bryant. I hope you're never injured in a collision. But if you are, don't sign anything until you've talked to us.
0: Find Bradshaw and Bryant, personal injury attorneys at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Seeking justice
7: for the injured, Bradshaw and Bryant. This
3: is the Tom Bernard Morning Show Podcast. Mmm, good balls. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Man. <laughs>
6: <laughs> good,
7: good balls.
6: Good balls. I'm guaranteed.
4: <laughs> yes. Oh, that's hilarious.
6: Hey, right, everybody. This is Don Shelby sitting in for Tom Bernard, who's down in uh, Florida with his family at Disney World right now. And so uh, my friend asked me to sit in with uh, Brittany and Rudy and all of our great guests. So thank you very much for uh, staying with us today. And uh, you can... Uh, watch this. I say watch. I'm a television guy. You can hear this live or you can at any time check it out on the uh, podcast. So thank you very much for being with us. Don, I got a question
5: for you. I've been a longtime fan. When did it flip for you? Like when did you become not just a guy that was on television, but when did you become Don Shelby?
6: Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, Let me answer it this way. Uh, So I'm from Indiana, and in Indiana, a a young boy at that time, now girls, uh, their only their only way out was to be a basketball player. Mm -hmm. Okay, Um, and if you were and and not uh, college basketball, high school basketball. Sure. So if you could excel in high school basketball, and I was from a small town. Uh when I I became uh, all county, the first, blah, 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 I would wear my letter jacket and with all the patches. And when I would walk down the street in my small town, old men would get off the sidewalk. So that celebrity status. Wow. Right. Yeah. Um, came. Very very early in mm-hmm. my life, and I must have craved it i uh I craved attention uh performance, sure, it turned into all of that, and I started out as an m c comedian mm-hmm. um and then an actor for a little while and then I got into uh radio and television, radio primarily in the mm-hmm. beginning because I looked like I was nine <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> and um so I did that thing, and I wasn't very good, and I had absolutely no spine. Uh, I could be manipulated by anyone if a program director said, do this. I did that. I, I, there was no sense of myself. Uh, and what, and it,
4: what age was that then?
6: Uh, from probably 16 to 28. Okay. And then when I got on television, it was all about me. So... Uh, it wasn't about the news. It was about watching me on television. Uh, and so it was a, just part of that show-off guy. Then one day, uh, after we started the... Uh, but but I was actually doing good stories. I, I figured out a way to do good stories. And, and won some awards. But it had nothing to do with the news. Only about me. Then... I started the I-team at CCL, and we started doing serious investigations. I did an investigation of a judge uh, accused of uh, sexually abusing younger men. And uh, I I got to the point where I thought this is not fair to do this story uh, because this man really is gay and uh, the only outlet for him if he wants to aspire to the level of Supreme Court justice, uh, there's no way for him to get any kind of sexual relationship yeah. uh, except to go to the street to find prostitutes, mm-hmm. yeah. which these young people were. But they were 14 years old, some of them. And so I went to the boss and I said, uh, I don't want to do the story. The promos were already on the air. The piece was already cut five nights. Five nights at 11 minutes each. Wow. Unbelievable. Stuff. <sighs> and, uh, and we had them absolutely solid. Every, the reporting was really solid. But I said, uh, no, I'm not going to do the piece now. And my boss, who was Ron Hanberg, said, okay, I'll get somebody else to read it. And I said, what? And he said, oh, you think this is your story? This story doesn't belong to you. It belongs to the people. Mm -hmm. It belongs to this company. You're employed by this company. And you don't matter. Only the facts matter. And my life changed in a second. Wow. In one second. Sure. All I had to do was be, it wasn't about me. Mm-hmm. It was about the facts. So I wasn't really, I would say I had a long journalism career, but the really the journalism career started at the age of 32, where I became secondary to the story. And uh, that's how it happened. Yeah. It, 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 I, can, I can pinpoint that moment in time. I can see it like it was yesterday, because I have to remind myself of that from time to time, that I don't count. What counts is the fact. Yeah. That's a great
5: story, man. That's very inspiring. Absolutely. It's a true story. Because I've been doing this 25 years. I feel like I suck just as much now as I did 25 (laughs) years ago.
7: (laughs) As somebody who listened to you
4: 25 years ago, you don't suck as much as you did then. You're doing great.
5: Thanks, Brittany. You're
6: welcome.
4: I'm here for support. I'm a mom, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
5: yeah. good caretaking. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. very nice.
6: Absolutely.
5: Yeah. Wow, that's uh, that's great that you had people that were in your corner enough to be able to. To tell you that, you know, yes. like there was somebody there that, that sort of had already seen the way of, because there's a lot of times, especially with like younger comedians that I noticed that they are very much so like, look what I can do. Yes. And it's like, you got to get that out of your head. You know, really what you should be doing is getting up on stage and going, how do I feel about this thing? Yeah. And then that will convey it, 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 there's like a this unwritten, unseen sort of connection with the audience that I'm sure you probably know about, Don, that it goes through the camera into their their living rooms, and if you are up there just trying to show off, it becomes inauthentic. Yes. Yeah. And once somebody picks up on that, they know right away oh, that and, this is
6: just bullshit. Yeah, and not only the professionals can see that kind of behavior, uh, The Dave Moore taught me that the... the People who have the best eyesight for that kind of uh, vision is uh, the audience themselves. Yeah. That they can tell before you can tell who you really are. Yeah, yeah. Because they see uh, you sometimes when you're interacting with a person who is sitting next to you, a co-anchor or weather, sports, whatever. They see you from the side. Now, I don't know if you've ever done this, but if you ever go to get something tailored or altered, there's a three-way mirror, Mm -hmm. right? And uh, looking straight into the front, uh, straight ahead, you see the you you always see when you look in the mirror. Yeah. But if you turn your head a little bit, you see the side view of you. That's a person you don't even know. Yeah. Do I look like that? Mm Mm-hmm. And and that's the way kind of uh, a, a way of saying that's how people in the audience see you. They see the whole you. And so if you are engaged in a conversation and you look at your script and and you're distracted, you're not paying attention to what somebody said. They know that. Yeah,
4: immediately. And they immediately, go, that's
6: yeah. not a nice person. Oh. That is not a nice person. I'll never watch that person again as long as I
3: live.
4: So you, <clears throat> excuse me, you were on air during the transition of immediate feedback that is the so- social media. How has that felt like that's changed? Was there a period where it felt more gratifying? Or is it more gratifying now that you have? Or... or Was it not a big deal to get feedback at all before you had social media telling you right away that you flubbed a line or didn't do this or whatever? Did that affect you when social media came into play?
6: Before social media, you have to remember that I went from uh, uh, manual typewriters to electric typewriters to computers Uh, from reading, memorizing script to teleprompters. I mean, so I've been in the business a long time. I've seen a lot of these changes. That's wild. Um, The letters are really, really important to me when they were handwritten by someone, uh, that someone who would take the time, not to just fire off an email or just go to Twitter and get some real, 140 words, boom, and say something. Um, but said, I, I I have a concern, and they would never be mean. I have a concern about your approach to this subject. Um, it seems like you have a, a bias uh, for this, and it shows in particular. And I, I really don't think that's good for you or for us. Well, if somebody has written a letter, then you go, hmm. Then you do absorb it. yeah. Uh, Because social media is so vast and so immediate, Mm -hmm. I discount everything on social media. That's... Everything. Everything at all. Because uh, it feels like, at least, 90% of the social media is is designed to make the person who is uh, writing the social media post seem clever. Mm. Um, It's like critics sometimes who would uh, go to the theater and they would uh, write these criticisms, and they would spend a great deal of time on how well they wrote the criticism. Not the real criticism of the play, but how funny they could be. Dorothy Parker was an amazing writer, but she was always, it was always about how clever she could be, not how important the play was that they were describing. And so most people, I I just get the impression they're just trying to show off. That's mm-hmm.
4: so interesting because I always looked at it as a reason why it can be discounted um, or discredited is because of the immediacy. But you're right. The letter is meant to convey a message to the person. It's the, you, I have to get my message across. It's not like a, also, I want Rudy to, if I'm writing you a message, I want Rudy to see, how cool I am that I was brazen to say this, or or that I, um, you sure. know, I want I, I said it in such a, a you know attack way, or the comment was funny in itself. It is. It's it's not uh, intended for the receiver. It's intended for the everybody. It's intended for a popularity contest. Yes, yes. and that and it
6: wants to get reposted and retweeted.
4: Yeah, yeah. And, and because of that, it changes the message completely. Yeah. I never thought about that. Um,
6: I think it's inauthentic to start with. And it also creates a personality from the outside. Rather than developing a personality uh, based on your uh, learning, your experience, your exposure, you build a personality based on what what other people like. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When they're supporting you, then you will do more of that because you begin to crave that. Yeah. And so I think... People are losing their center, their objectivity about themselves and about uh, being sort of self-fulfilling to some inner drive that says, this is the person I wish to be, not the person I want you to like.
4: To be perceived as. Right. I think that's so interesting. I don't know how many times... You know, a conversation has started of, did you see how I responded to that person on Facebook? Because it is not a message for them. It's a message to be seen. Exactly. And how that changes the interaction completely.
6: The uh, emails, when they first came out, Mm -hmm. um, I can tell you that the emails were, um, they actually had punctuation. They were sentences. People would write emails that uh, didn't look like emails. They looked like letters. They would not have acronyms they wouldn't uh they would write a letter when i took over for dave Moore in uh, uh, 1983 i uh, got letters and eventually emails and they all said basically the same thing um, now remember this man had been in everybody's living room in minnesota for 32 years right huh. Mm-hmm. And he was uh, had a higher cue than the governor or the president of the United States in this town. So um, I got uh, the um, 15,000 uh, letters and, and posts that said, You are no Dave Moore. You are no Dave Moore. Registering their disappointment that they wouldn't have this friend that they'd had all their lives on the air. And uh, saying to me, I can't measure up. Yeah. I wrote back, Brittany, every one of them that had a return address, a card. And the card said, no one knows that better than I do. Sincerely, Don Shelby.
4: How dare you? That, like That must have really, I mean, that...
5: Yeah. S- sincerely, Don Shelby. P.S. Why don't you go fuck yourself?
4: <laughs> <laughs> See, on such a smaller scale, I had a situation like that. I mean, very smaller scale than yours. And it was true. I was like, don't you think I say that in the mirror every day, that I'm feeling shoes that are far nicer than my own and that I will never fit into? And I think you kind of acknowledging that, I mean, it probably... Throws people off a little bit, like yes. you're re- they're ready to fight, and you're like,
6: I couldn't agree more, right? And I would say half wrote back apologizing because they, they yeah. were so harsh, yeah. Um, but it was, but I wasn't writing a something to get out from under something, no. I knew I that know Dave, yeah. Moore, he, Dave Moore was my idol, exactly. I knew I could never measure up to Dave Moore, yeah, and so, uh. It was an honest uh, statement, but <laughs> try to imagine you, you've uh, had to step into someone's uh, shoes. Yeah. So, uh, for television, I had to take over for, uh, this legend. Yeah. And I was nobody. Yeah. I I'd... was just nobody. And I, uh, and, and three years in seriously, uh, I was told, This is not working out. Uh, So we're going to open up uh, a new search for a new anchor. And I said, can you give me six months and I'll I'll work harder? And I did. And so that lasted 32 years. It was
5: a
4: worthwhile six months there.
6: But then in 2000, I get a call from CCO Radio saying, uh, Afternoon Drive is open. Would you like to come do Afternoon Drive? And they said, you'll be replacing Steve Cannon, (laughs) (laughs) the greatest, most popular... And what what is god doing to me? Yeah.
4: <laughs> like why? Yeah. I don't know. why. He's like, you know what? That letter jacket. We got to <laughs> humble him. Yeah,
6: yeah. You never yeah. want to be
5: the guy who replaces the guy, be the guy who replaces the guy who replaced <laughs> the guy. Right. That's, That's guy. Exactly who you want to be. Right. Right. Yeah. I exactly. Exactly. And
4: and I mean it's a such a smaller scale, but like radio will ne- you know, a lot of things in media will never be as grand as they once were. Yes. And radio is one where I, you know, me and Rudy kind of fall into the following behind is like, yeah, we're we're following legends and people that were put on, and it's like, I know. Trust me, I listen too. Mm-hmm. So that's such a lovely insight. And we're <clears throat> speaking of legends. Up next, we're going to have Chris Eggert on the Tom Bernard morning show with Don Shelby. Hi, I'm Mike
9: Bryant. The latest statistics are out for 2022. And although 48 states, including Minnesota, have texting and driving laws in place, many American drivers still take part in this dangerous practice daily. According to the National Safety Council, cell phone use while driving led to 1.6 million crashes and nearly 309,000 injuries occur each year from accidents caused by texting while driving. Scariest of all, over 3,000 deaths are caused by texting and driving. And these are only the numbers that have been verified. Who knows how many more there actually were? The bottom line is this. In Minnesota, we have the hands-free law in place for a reason. To keep you and those around you safe. The simplest solution is please don't text and drive. It's against the law. By practicing safe driving habits, you can break the cycle of distracted driving.
0: Find Bradshaw Bryant, personal injury attorneys at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Seeking
2: justice for the injured. Bradshaw Brian. Sponsored by BetterHelp. You ever feel overwhelmed, anxious, or just need someone to talk to? BetterHelp is here to help. Their platform connects you with licensed and experienced therapists who can support you in achieving your mental health goals. Here's where it gets cool. With BetterHelp, you can schedule sessions from the comfort of your own home or really anywhere you are and at a time that works for you. No more worrying about traffic or long wait times in a therapist's office. BetterHelp therapists specialize in a range of areas from anxiety to depression to relationships and self-esteem. Plus, their service is more affordable than traditional therapy with no hidden fees or long-term commitments. And the best part, like I said before, you can do it from anywhere you are. Seriously, if you have an internet connection, you can use BetterHelp. Don't wait any longer to prioritize your mental health. Visit BetterHelp.com today to start your journey towards a happier, healthier you. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com. B-D-U-B.
7: Get in the zone,
11: AutoZone. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? Ah, starting trouble. No one likes that. We'll get you set up for some stronger starts. You might just need a fresh charge, and we'll take care of that free of charge. But if it is time for a new battery, we've got replacement batteries that'll fit your needs, starting at just $79.99. You can learn more about our battery selection at AutoZone.com. That's what makes us America's number one battery destination. Get
0: in zone,
11: AutoZone. Claim based on data from the NPD Group 2021. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, call SelectQuote at 1-800-330-1991. That's 1-800-330-1991. Or go to SelectQuote.com. That's 1-800-330-1991. Select quote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at selectquote.com slash commercials. This
3: is the Tom Bernard Morning Show Podcast. He's a reporter who plays by his own rules.
8: What are you doing? What are you taking? Take yours to take?
5: And now, and now. hard-hitting news with Channel 5's very own Chris
6: Eggert. <laughs>
7: <laughs> now that's an intro, Chris. That was, that was
6: live during the riots when you had rolled up to the Target And people were looting and taking out all TVs and everything they could get their hands on. And you were shouting to them on air, is that your TV? (laughs) Oh, how you can't possibly be taking that? And yes, you were.
5: Chris, are you still there, bud? I think we may have just, I mean, literally just lost him just a half a second ago.
6: Yeah, yep. we're, we're buffering everything,
5: right? Yeah, now. in fact, uh, Chris just texted me and said, I just lost you. I don't know what happened. Hang on, we're going to go ahead and reset Chris. Redo- you know, like,
4: after that intro, I'm out of here. Um, Yeah. I, did you ever have to be on the scene reporting, Don? Did you? All
6: the time. Was it? Uh, big stuff. Yeah. 9 um, 11, uh, the uh, Alfred Murrah. Uh, uh, federal building, uh, we, I was, uh, hundreds of tornadoes, um, wrecks and fires, uh, even as an anchor, because I was, uh, known as a field anchor uh-huh. because my, my skills were in reporting, not in performing. So, uh, so I did a lot of that. I went to, uh, I went to three wars. I was in, 73. Uh, I was in the, uh, uh, war in Egypt and, and, uh, Israel, uh, interviewed uh, Anwar Sadat, um, went to Iraq, uh, seven big provinces of the uh, south Mm -hmm. in Iraq and Vietnam. So I I had a lot of experience in the field.
0: Wow. Um,
6: And that was my favorite place to be.
4: I was going to ask, what did you prefer, to be in the studio or be in the field?
6: Be in the field gathering.
4: I bet. Yeah. I could see that. Because
6: then you were uh, getting information and verifying that information <clears> and giving it to people. Anchors can't really do that. Yeah. Uh, they Anchors throw, on... it, throw it to the reporter who knows the story. And I'd rather be that guy.
8: Speaking of guys who know the story...
6: Yeah, what's up, Chris Necker?
8: Sorry, we got right when you guys were playing that awful intro to me. <laughs> oh, you poor guy.
6: That was uh, you. That was you, like, Chris. That like was you, you. yelling to uh, looters to stop looting and that they didn't have any right to take somebody else's television set. And I'm going to say, that's balls, dude. (laughs) Or, 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 you are a crazy son of a bitch.
8: (laughs) I, I was telling these guys a story, I don't know, it must have been last week, but I didn't honestly know what to do because you're sitting there, there's hundreds of people all around you in every direction, looting things. And, you know, it was, it was one of the craziest mornings in 25 years of doing this that I ever experienced. And uh, we happened to roll up on that target and this guy was pushing the cart right in front of us. And my, my first reaction was like, well, what, what should I say? Anything? (laughs) And then I was like, well, people are going to get mad if you let the guy walk right out there. I mean, I felt like yes. I had to say something. Sure. Yes. That's what came out. I don't know yeah. if it was the right thing or yes, not. It's an
6: Ed Bradley moment, and you could be, uh, you're in good company because uh, you remember the 60 Minutes CBS reporter, Ed yep. Bradley. Um, Ed got into an incredible amount of hot water once because I think it was the, the boat people uh, coming out of Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. And he was uh, just doing a stand-up. He was on the beach, and the boats were uh, coming in. And he was just reporting that here's this uh, sort of uh, giant group of people who are coming. One of the boats capsized, and it was full of women and children. And he laid his microphone down while the camera was rolling on the stand-up and waded in there and saved probably 15 lives. Wow. Well, uh, of course, he was a hero to me because I think as reporters, we understand we're human beings first and reporters as a profession second. And we have to respond as human beings. We have to be sad when people have lost their children in the house fire. We can't just uh, uh, stand up in front of a plane crash and just do a litany of facts. We have to have some sense of sympathy for the human condition. Well, he got into an incredible amount of trouble for abandoning his reporter position and becoming the story itself. And uh, I understand when you can take it too far, but in that case, it was unwarranted, untoward, and uh, a terrible criticism. But it hurt Ed.
8: Oh, I'm sure it did, and and you know that you don't want to be as a reporter, a field reporter, or anything. Uh, you don't want to be part of the story. It shouldn't. It's not about you. It's about what you're covering. Uh, but clearly, he had the right intentions there, right? Like I don't think, knowing what I know about Ed Bradley, it's not like he went to go save those people in the boat for some kind of, you know, showboating purposes or to, you know have himself painted as a hero. That was just his reaction. Exactly.
6: Because he would, uh, when he was doing the stand-up, he had his back, of course, to the sea with the boats. They were behind him. That was the way it was framed. Um, and he did what we always do in standups where we we're referencing. We turn around and go, the boat people are behind me or the house fire is behind me or the police line is behind me. Uh, and we invite the viewer, sometimes the camera zooms over our shoulders and takes a look. And he, and you see him turn and look, and he comes back to finish his stand-up, and then he looks again, and you can tell he's completely out of character. He is completely yeah. out of his reporter position because, because he just drops the microphone, uh, just immediately drops, and goes right into the sea. And so it was an absolute human reaction.
8: Yeah, yeah, it's it's very hard, it, particularly in moments like that. The George Floyd stuff was it was, again. I mean, we were on the air for twelve hours straight. I don't I don't even remember how long it was, but it, it was like there were there were so many weird situations, unexpected situations that that were popping up just like every sixty seconds. Yes, um, I, I remember standing outside of a liquor store that had been looted and. The guy, um, the, the guys from the liquor store brought in security and there's like, you know, uh, three guys standing on the other side of this broken glass with AK-47s and there's people standing right outside the liquor store picking up beer that's still laying on the ground. I mean, it was, it was just, it it was, it was unbelievable. And to, to not have human reaction to that. I mean, that whole thing was about human reaction, sure. right? Uh-huh. Sure
6: so uh you were on the air for 20 hours i think uh i think ks did uh, 20 hours that day
8: yeah well maybe me personally i guess i was thinking but i know we we continued our um shift on through the day i'd come in that morning intending to anchor um and i got here and obviously all hell had broken loose and our executive producer was trying to figure out how we were going to cover everything and I, I did, I know what you would do, Don. I, I I was like, well, we don't need two anchors here. Just I'll go. Right. Can you get a photographer? And we went out and, I mean, we just took off at four in the morning. And I don't even know when we got back. It had to have been noon or 1230 or one. I don't even know. But it was is there quite a, a day. Is
5: there ever had been anything that you guys have said no to? Where somebody was like, a program director came up and like, hey, this is happening right now, downtown Minneapolis. We need you out there with a microphone and a camera. And you're like, I'm good.
6: Uh, there was only one uh, at the very first meeting I had at CCO with Hamburg. Uh, he said, is there anything you won't cover? And I said, yes, politics. I will never cover Smart politics. choice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because you can't, you can't, uh, uh, you can never be right. Because if you were to say um, that the Republicans are offering uh, this package and uh, the Democrats are offering this package or the DFL in this case, um, and you do an analysis that says this in this particular matter, the Republicans have and we've done some interviews with experts and they say, yeah, the smarter uh, version of this legislation is the Republican version then every Democrat would uh, call you or call the station and say, that's a biased report. When it's yep. not biased, what because what you're doing is not balancing the scales, and Chris knows this, you're not trying to make the scales balance. So you give uh, one minute to this side and one minute to this side. Some analysis, some journalistic analysis has to take place where you're saying, this really doesn't hold as much water as this does. And you have to report that fact. You, you can't just say, here are, are two sides of the debate. Some say it is, some say it isn't. Uh, and at this point, we don't know for sure. That's not very good reporting. Just putting two sides together when one side has no particular factual argument and the other side has all the facts. So that's not good reporting. That's false balance. TV people have. There's so much. so much more integrity than radio people.
5: Radio people <laughs> oh, are the yeah. worst. We're <laughs> the oh, worst. Yeah. Christ, salespeople will come up and they're like, "You want to go hang at a used car lot and hand out hot dogs <laughs> yes. for two hours? Yes, You're yes, like, I Sign do.
4: me up! I absolutely. I'll do. totally
5: take your money. It's like, Ah, oh,
8: God, hey, we suck. Uh, I I get that, Rudy. I I started out in radio on my first radio internship. I was on the air with the wacky morning crew and. um They asked, they called me intern guy and they just sent me out every morning to interview something or uh, interview somebody or do some, whatever it might be. I suppose dumb college kid, whatever the product it was going to be, we're going to put on the air. Either I was going to sound stupid or the person we interviewed. So, you know, they thought it was great radio. They had me all set up to get dressed up in a meat suit and be attacked by some police canines. Yeah. And I was like, okay. Sure, I'll, yeah. I'll do that. And here's how dumb radio people are. It's a meat
6: suit,
5: and the thing about it is that <laughs> people can't see you in the meat suit. They can't see the dog attacking I, you. It's you radio, this, you shit. I duchess. am
6: standing here in a meat suit. Yeah.
5: God damn it. You're not Lady Gaga, for God's sakes.
6: <laughs> I'll tell you a story. There, uh, <laughs> it's apocryphal. I know it's apocryphal, but um, a radio reporter... Goes out. They say we've we've lost uh, half an hour of this section. Just go outside and do a man on the street, and uh, just ask people uh, questions and their opinions. And <laughs> so he goes outside, uh, drags the wire out, and, uh, and first person he sees I uh, "said um, Sir, what's your name?" Uh, "Bob Johnson." Uh, "Mr. Johnson, uh, you're uh, on the radio right now." Uh, is there anything uh, on your mind? He said, I would like to tell a joke. And he said, absolutely. We'd love to have a joke. And he said, knock, knock. And the reporter said, who's there? And he said, Argo. And he said, Argo who? And he said, Argo, fuck yourself. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the guy, oh, God. So, so, so the guy <laughs> is out of the business. Uh, he is completely shamed. He's blackballed everywhere and is out of the business and struggles. He starts at small stations. He works as what He becomes a fabulous, fabulous reporter. And, uh, the same thing occurs 25 years later where he is, uh, on the street doing something. And, uh, the same guy looking older comes up to him and he goes, Oh, sir, what's your name? He said, Bob Johnson. And he said, do you, uh, do you have uh, anything you'd like to say? And he said, i I uh, like to tell a joke. Um, the antenna go up on the guy. Oh, no. Because he has spent the last 20 years memorizing every knock-knock joke in the world. <laughs> every knock-knock joke in the world. So we all cut him off. And uh, he said, all right, go ahead. And he said, uh, knock-knock. And he said, who's there? And he said, Scheherazade and his brain... Just files goes nuts. The neurons are firing. He's trying to find the knock knock odd thing. He doesn't, and he feels safe. And he goes, Shazarahad who? And he said, I go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
7: Love that, so good.
5: <laughs> Chris, how many times has Megan Newquist told you to go fuck yourself on the air?
8: Well, not on the air, not but the air, but but on I the air. I won't say we're all very comfortable with each other on this morning show because we've worked to, with toge- together for I don't know, maybe eight, nine years together. Sure. Just, just the morning team. So, uh, we do speak very candidly to each other. Yeah. Um, which is always an in, in, in endearment. It's never in a. Absolutely. Way.
5: Yeah. Speaking of, uh, you guys got any uh, hot news? Any hot Wabasha talk? Uh, uh, well, I,
8: I know you guys have come to trust me as your Grumpy Old Men Festival. <laughs> so-and Thank <so-and-so> you.
7: <laughs> yes. Um, Absolutely.
8: Oddly enough, I do have something going on with Grumpy Old Men again today. Hot damn. So, we're after the. After Minnesota Live today at nine, I am going going out to shoot a story with a very well-known um, location field scout who lives in the Twin Cities. Here, she scouted all the spots around town for Fargo, where they shot all that. Uh, she also scouted a lot of locations for um, the Mighty Ducks, Jingle All the Way, and Grumpy Old Men. So we uh, on our we're going to do a little. Drive around at some of these spots today, including the wood chipper spot from Fargo, which I'm the most excited about. <laughs> yeah, oh,
4: that's amazing. Did
5: you? I don't know if I ever told you this, Chris. That is the scene that my daughter was born to. Really? <laughs> yep. That literally. We were we were watching Fargo in the delivery room, and the minute that my daughter came out, I, I remember like my eyes just glanced up, and there was Steve Buscemi getting in the wood chipper, and I'm like,
1: huh.
4: I'll Kinsey's never
5: like, I'll never forget this moment ever. Oh Kinsey's my God. like, I gotta yeah. see this
4: shit. Yeah, What's yeah. happening? This is a visual. Yeah, I'm yeah, in.
7: Yeah. Yep. So yeah,
5: that's awesome, man. Please that's send crazy. me send me some pictures
8: so- of it. That's great. Uh, So apparently the wood chipper itself was sold after they were done using it for the movie and a grip bought it for like one hundred and twenty dollars and saved it. And he just recently sold it to the city of Fargo, you know, Uh the actual Fargo for like twenty two thousand dollars. Wow. One hundred and twenty bucks for a wood chipper. Hot damn, man. Yeah, can Steal. But also what a weird thing to attract people to your town. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Like come visit Fargo where the movie wasn't shot (laughs) but here's the wood chipper yeah well they still have a
6: museum of ed gein in wisconsin so
8: yeah uh, Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
6: (laughs) so you got a lampshade made out of skin i don't think it's there but you get told the story (laughs) 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 yeah huh well
5: that's awesome man what uh, by uh, by chance what's this woman's name do you know
8: uh, Ann Ann Shapiro.
5: Oh, Ann Shapiro. Okay, right on. I know a lot of people in the business, but I don't think I know that name. I'm obviously uh, it's not no, very. Unless
8: I just let me hold on. No,
5: I, I imagine you're probably correct. Uh,
8: it's it's Ann. I know that for sure. Yeah. Um. And she probably wants to kill me right now because I've been emailing back and forth with her about seven trillion times to get this set up because we've got to get it shot before the Oscars, which run on Channel Five, like. Not this weekend, but the next weekend. Uh So we're trying to get it all wrapped up between now and then.
6: Chris, take us behind the scenes for just a minute on the amount of work you have to do um, that 20 years ago uh, people in the business didn't have to do. They would do a story and it would uh, go on the air, uh, radio or TV, and then you're basically done, uh, head home. Yeah, Now um, you've got all the digital platforms, you've got to write uh, stories for every one of your shows, different versions, save back video, save back sound bites, so that story looks different, has a different tonality for the time of day, and then writing uh, updated digital copy, changing it as you go, as new facts come in. I could not do the work you're doing today.
8: It is definitely a whole different ballgame when it comes to that, because I I know when I first started doing this, it was like you go out, you shoot one story, your story's done, it gets edited, you put it on TV, that's the end of it. And yes, now um, there are multiple versions of the story get done, they're going to air in multiple newscasts, then they're also going to air in other TV shows like Minnesota Live, Twin Cities Live. There needs to be a digital version of it, as you were saying, Don. And this particular story, it wouldn't be updated. But if you are doing a, a, you know, a day of news story, like a breaking news story or some, uh, you know, criminal or court case, that needs to be updated throughout the day. And then uh, you'll do multiple hits and multiple shows. Oh, and also, please post 15 things on yes. social media oh, I every forgot day. That. To do. Yes,
6: yes. By my the goodness.
8: way, social media—the job that does not pay you anything you get absolutely nothing (laughs) for being on social media other than helping to um you know spread our brand
6: yeah so So the contract says other duties as
1: a side yeah yeah. Yeah.
8: right our our field reporters and i only i say get to do it because i love to report but i don't do it on a daily basis anymore because i'm always in the studio but i mean it's like they barely have any time to even get anything shot because they're so busy trying to get all the 17 different jobs that need to be done with the little bit of content that they get, you know, distributed the right way. And it's definitely a different deal. That's for sure. And if
6: you're, uh, if you've turned into somewhere and I know you have, but journalists who, uh, really take their craft seriously, will uh, do things that uh, the audience may not understand. But, for instance, if you were a freelance writer and you go and cover a a story of whale beaching on a whatever, San Diego, and that's the story and and, uh, you take the photographs and you do whatever, now you've got to shop that story. Now you're going to shop that story to the Wall Street Journal, to the New York Times, to the Washington Post, to the Los Angeles Times, I mean, uh, yeah, and then you're going to go Red Book, and so you have to write in that style for each one of those stories with different kinds of leads, with different kinds of photos. And so the same is true with the uh, proliferation of television newscasts on every channel. People are putting stories because it's cheaper to do news than to buy syndicated programs. And you get to keep all the money generated from the uh, advertising. So it's a better model for the station. But it, it makes journalists say, well, this is the 4 o'clock show or this is the 5 o'clock show or this is the morning show or this is the 10. I've got to write this with a different tone each time. Yep. so it requires so much more of the journalist than in my day
8: yeah that is a that is a something that has changed so much i think even from the anchoring standpoint when you used to anchor one half hour newscast one half hour newscast or or two half hour newscasts at best and and you had a pile of paper scripts in front of you you'd already done your copy editing you were ready to sit out there hold your scripts present that show for a half hour and then, you know, go on a lunch break or something. And that, that doesn't work that way anymore. Now at nope. all, nope. we've got the computer in front of us. We're working on the words that are going to about to pop up on the screen as, as we're saying them, nobody runs. Um, we don't have paper scripts anymore. We've got to get our, our copy from an iPad that doesn't always work. Nobody runs the teleprompter anymore. It's run by a uh, robot. And, oh, by the way, please do your social posts and <laughs> set, up, oh my God. Set, up, set up 12 stories and segments that we can do over the course of the next couple of weeks for your other seven jobs that you have. So, it, I yeah. mean, it's it's definitely different. I, I I miss the good old days in some ways, that's for sure. And
6: you, somehow you've got to work into that incredible schedule uh, the mind work it takes to create the next seven stories, yeah. and you have, have made calls, you have done work on that because that leaves that part out in the description. That you have to be on the phone, you have to be contacting sources, you have to have dug out some uh, newspaper clippings from a uh, a, a local rag uh, in Winona, and you have to look at that and then pitch that story at the menu meeting at the budget and say, I'd like to do this. And they'll say, nah, we don't want that story. you've already done
0: 12 hours of
6: work on it. (laughs) Uh,
4: (laughs) Oh, you guys are making handing out hot dogs at used cars seem really nice right now. Speaking of Chris, we know you have to go and we appreciate it so much. The grumpy old men news, just keep it coming. That's Uh, your bread and butter.
8: Whenever, (laughs) as I consider Don one of the best journalists to have ever worked in this town and probably even beyond that, I love to be here with him and explain to him all the hard-hitting journalism that I'm working with.
7: <laughs> We love it. We love it, Chris. You're the
4: best.
5: Thanks, Chris. See you, guys. Awesome. I do have a question for you, Don. Yeah. Uh, when you talk about different
6: tones for different newscasts, what do you mean by that? Well, if you have a morning show, people are not in the uh, mood to have a blood and guts, hard-hitting piece. Okay. So you uh, do derivative leads. You back into the story. You soften it. Uh, and you don't make it as sensational. Um, that doesn't mean you uh, are always guilty of sensationalizing, but you can tamp down certain facts. Uh, the noon show is a little is softer, uh, not softer than the morning shows, but softer than a, a late show. Mm-hmm. So six and 10, you can let out some shaft. Okay. You can really hit those stories hard because that's the expectation of that audience that is assembled. Sure. But the uh, earlier day parts, um, so in CCO, they have a 4 o'clock show. Uh, th- it's basically radio talk. So uh, They just bring people in and sit down, and they talk about things, and I'm doing a thing at the Chanhassen, and I'm going to be on with the Guthrie, and uh, there's going to be a, a special meeting of teachers over here. And So uh, those are talky kind of conversational newscasts. Uh, supplemented by good video. Uh, you always have good video. You try to, I think, three-quarters of the impact of any news story is the video presented. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, you, you have to have your brain tuned in. The, uh, I will a- always ask, what show? What show? Yeah. What show? So I know how to write that story.
4: So you, like, in this world... You're writing script for your coworkers, So, like, I would be writing script for Rudy. Is that what you're saying? So, like, as a reporter, you write a story that's for yours, but you know that, like, somebody later will read it. So you have to write their, what they're going to say.
6: The, um, for the anchor to read? Yeah. Yes. Well, what I'm talking about is that would be called the lead. Okay. The lead in. Um, and all you have to do then, and, and if you do it often enough, it becomes very easy. You know who the anchor is and you know, who's assigned to read the lead in. So you hear their voice mm-hmm. and you write their voice.
4: That's wild to think about writing yeah. for like, Hey Rudy, here's the story I did like here and I wrote it for in your voice. Like that's just wild. It's like, I, you never think of reporters having to do all of that.
6: I remember writing for Dave Moore, um, a story. Uh, we we wrote all our stories for Dave to read and, uh, never, uh, he had a blue pencil on everything. He would just drop lines, carrots, put in new words. Uh, and my scripts would come back to me just looking like somebody, a child had scribbled on them. And I had to figure out how to rewrite that Yeah, because it wasn't in his voice. It wasn't what he would say. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then one day, maybe a year in, uh, I wrote a story and just constantly, how would Dave say this fact, this sentence? And I wrote it and I knew I'd arrive because he read it the way I wrote it.
4: Whoa. He
6: booked no marks on it and said, he said, yeah, this is good. And I went, hop. I, I guess I'm. I guess I'm a professional. I'm pretty own. good at this. Yeah. I'm yeah.
4: Frame that yeah. piece of paper. Thank you very much. Yeah.
5: That's always the hardest thing, especially when you're younger in this business, is getting past that sort of imposter syndrome. About. Yes. Yeah. That yes. is always the hardest part. I tell everybody all the time, man. Like when you get into this, just you know, especially when somebody goes. Uh, there was a kid that used to do afternoons at a station when we worked at ABC, and he just he would always say like, "I don't feel like I should be the guy." There's always somebody else should have this job. And I was like, well, somebody has to have the job. Why can't it be you? Why can't it be you? <laughs> That's true. Uh,
4: it's imposter syndrome is I wake up every day and go, "Why? Sure. are they sure? Like yeah. at some point, I always think my key fob is going to quit working or my key yeah. won't <laughs> fit. Yeah, so true. it's funny that you say when you're young because I feel like, you know, maybe it's a woman thing or maybe it's just my negative self-talk. But I'm like, always. I always have. Like, why would I? No, I'm yeah. the
3: worst. Yeah.
6: Well, I want to tell you something, be very frank about this, and I have no fear of telling you this story uh, and for our listeners to hear. Uh, My imposter syndrome was actually uh, not a syndrome. I was an imposter. (laughs) Um, Every uh, resume I ever filled out, um, every job I ever got, contained uh, language similar to what I'm about to say. Uh, graduated with honors from the University of Cincinnati <laughs> uh, with a uh, bachelor in journalism. Not even true. Yeah, not, I agree. Not true at all. It's great. So, um, and then I ended up being the guy who hired people uh, who had master's degrees from Medill School of Journalism, from Syracuse, from UCLA, who were massively more informed than I was. And But they kept looking at me because I had some M- M- Emmys and some Peabody's and stuff, that I was the guy. And I knew I wasn't the guy. I just knew I was nowhere near as smart as these people. So I was an imposter. When I retired, Rudy, I went to Metropolitan uh, State University And got my degree.
5: Shut down. Damn it. God damn it, man. Oh, my God. At
6: the age of 74, I graduated with cap and gown. God damn it. From (laughs) Metropolitan (laughs) State University. And I now have
5: a degree. That is, well, first off, it's fantastic. What a, an amazing story. Uh, my resume also says I graduated with honors from the University of La Crosse, Wisconsin, and I never stepped foot on the campus. They have, <laughs> it does. Absolutely. Your resume says that. Absolutely. Yeah. But luckily, like, I'm in a business where it's all no about who you know. Yeah. I know. So it doesn't matter, anyways. But uh, it, it's great that you do say that because why I started putting that on my resume was because when I, this business can sometimes, it's ups and downs. Like, sometimes, as I said in a meeting recently with Brittany, uh sometimes you're on the biggest morning show in town, and sometimes you're selling couches in a mall. That's just the nature of this business it you know when you're good, you'll work, but there are times where it's a little lean and I was kind of going through this spot where I was having to like uh interview at ad agencies, but my resume was so thin, you know like there wasn't really a whole lot on it because I had just worked in uh, in advertising and in media for so long, and one of the things that was asked about me is I said, you know you have 20 years of business and marketing. How come you don't have a marketing degree? And I said, because you just said it. I've been working for 20 years yeah. in marketing. So that's why I don't have it. So then I just started writing on my resume that I just had a degree and nobody ever questioned it. Yes. I was like, I should have been doing Absolutely. this two decades ago. Yeah, yeah. So right on. Well, Galfan just walked in. So, he did. Yes, yeah. fantastic. <clears throat> yeah. Michael
6: Galfan is in the house.
4: Yep. Up next, we're going to have Mike Gelfand. We're going to have him all situated here on the Tom Bernard Show with out, Tom Bernard, you're welcome.
1: <laughs> 14 <laughs> rounds of golf for only $90? You betcha. The Minnesota Golf Passport is back and available now at scorenorth.com. As a golf passport cardholder, you are entitled to 13, 18 hole rounds of golf for just one low price of $90. A $400 golf value for only $90. With the Minnesota Golf Passport, you get to play 18 holes at each of these great area courses.
2: The Refuge, Purple Hawk, New Ulm Country Club, Bull Rush, Elk River Golf, Golf Club, Bristol Ridge, Whispering Pine, Chamonix, Siren National, Emily Greens, The Ponds, Dall Green, and Golden Eagle.
1: 13 great courses, 13 rounds of golf. One low price. Just $90. And $10 for every card purchased will benefit youth golf in Minnesota. Supply is limited, so go to scorenorth.com. That's North.com. Type keyword passport to buy your passport before they're gone. Go to score, North.com. Keyword passport for your 2023 Minnesota golf passport. Well, just when
10: you thought it couldn't get any better, Mike Lindell and MyPillow are launching MyPillow 2.0. When Mike invented MyPillow, it had everything you could ever want in a pillow. Now, nearly 20 years later, he discovered a new technology that makes MyPillow even better. The MyPillow 2.0 has the patented adjustable fill of the original MyPillow, and now with the brand-new fabric that is made with a temperature-regulating thread. The MyPillow 2.0 is the softest, smoothest, and coolest pillow you'll ever own. Say goodbye to tossing and turning and flipping your pillow over in the middle of the night. And more great news on the MyPillow 2.0. Buy one, get one free offer with promo code TOM. MyPillow 2.0, with its temperature-regulating technology, is 100% made in the USA and comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Just go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio podcast square to receive the MyPillow 2.0 buy one, get one free offer. Just when you thought MyPillow couldn't get any better, MyPillow 2.0 gives you the best pillow ever. Enter promo code TOM or call 800-516-5146 to get your MyPillow 2.0s now.
5: Cookie wants to be a professional wrestler. I'm Cookie Serratos, and I'm 11 years
0: old. She also wants to win all the medals. That's why Cookie and her family make every day count, squeezing out her best with Go-Go Squeeze. Okay, Cookie, let's break for a Go-Go Squeeze. Go-Go Squeeze Fruit-On-The-Go Pouches are a nutritious snack made from 100% fruit with no sugar added. Go, Cookie! Because when you nurture your kids, you squeeze out the best of them. Squeeze out the best with Go-Go Squeeze. Not a low-calorie food. Products range from 11 to 13 grams of sugar and 60 to 70 calories per serving. Like bones, your teeth lose density and become weaker over time, which can lead to tooth decay, and that can make your visit to the dentist feel like this. But if you want your dental visit to feel like this, try Crest Densify. Crest Densify actively rebuilds tooth density to extend the life of teeth by remineralizing enamel. Gensify from Crest, the number one toothpaste brand in America. Smile, Crest has you covered. This is
3: the Tom Bernard Morning Show Podcast.
0: Without Tom Bernard.
3: Yes, with Don
6: Shelby in the place of Tom. And uh, I'm very, very honored to be uh, asked to be here. Because asked by the man himself, who's been a lifelong friend of mine. And so, um, giving me a shot to be back on the air is kind of a nice deal after being off air, in essence, for almost 12 years. Really? Yeah.
14: So, you know, I've, I've known throughout my lifetime a number of people who've been in radio and then said, well, I think maybe I'll try to support my family now. <laughs> you know, and they go on to other jobs. But they never, ever, like I, I have a carpenter, and he was in radio I, you know, probably 20 years ago. But he can't shake the radio syndrome, you know. So he'll come in and he'll say, hey, how's it doing this morning? Uh,
7: It's 844. Hey, how about the weather?
14: (laughs) It's it's radio, you know. You get infected. There's nothing you can do.
6: The first voice you learn when you're just starting out Mm -hmm. is the uh, rock and roll. The this puke. jockey voice, the puke. Yeah, yeah. And 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 who did that? Uh, Bob, the a great catcher, not the great catcher, but the catcher who later became uh, studio voice for the uh, 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 baseball team. Was it uh,
14: Garagiola?
6: Or? No, uh, I always mess up his name. Oh, well, studio uh, voice. Bob. Yeah. Bob. Anyway. Bob uh, Casey. He he always talked this way. Yeah. And, he, and and Tom used to do a bit with John Gordon, w- w- about John Gordon, wondering if John Gordon uh, talked that way when he went home. Yeah. If he'd just say, hi, everybody, I wonder if we could have just another cup of coffee here. <laughs>
14: and, and John Gordon had this unique way of calling baseball games. Later in his career, he didn't even bother with strikes and balls, you know. Yeah. He just keep talking. That Rochester looks like they're going to win this one four to two tonight. You know, was, let's <laughs> talk about the farm clubs. And but but he also had this gift. He'd say, well, and uh, it's a long fly ball. This one's hit to deep center, and now the shortstop's going to catch it. <laughs> <laughs>
7: <laughs>
14: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was he was precious.
5: I love John Gordon. Hey, speaking of uh, baseball announcers, have you guys ever heard the audio of? Uh, oh, I'm spacing out his name now. Why? Uh, Brewers, longtime guy. Um, who calls the Brewers games?
14: Oh Come yeah, I, I, the yeah. Um, gosh, I hit, uh, Brian Anderson? No. no. Starts with a U.
6: Yeah, Bob You Bob That's Uker. who I was Uker. talking about. Oh, yeah, right. Bob Uecker. Yeah, yeah you it, right. Remember, he used to Uke. do the commercial oh, when. Uh, <laughs> and when, and when <laughs> where are my tickets? He go. I must be down in the first row. <laughs> well,
14: you know, I, I, uh, I knew him just a tiny bit when I was covering baseball. And uh, he was probably the most obscene of all announcers. Really? Oh, yeah.
5: In what way, Mike?
14: Uh, Just filthy, basically. (laughs) (laughs) And that says a lot coming from Mike. Yeah, (laughs) it does take a lot. Yeah.
5: (laughs) Well, there's like some there's some great audio of him in Cincinnati when the Brewers are playing the Reds and the Brewers are winning like it's something silly like seventeen to three. And at like the inning seven, he's like, uh, it's two balls, one strike. So do you guys notice anything weird in the lobby yesterday? And the guys on the, you know, doing the call with him are like, uh, yeah, yeah, we noticed there was some things going on down in the, uh, the he's Like, He's like, yeah, uh, let's see, uh, uh, low and inside, two and two. Um, yeah, I noticed there was a lot of people walking around dressed up like animals. And then all the guys start to laugh and they're like, well, that's a furry, Bob. And he's like, that's a what now? He's like, that's a furry. And you hear like a moment of silence then you hear you can hear like the ball hit the mitt yeah. and he goes 3 and 2 what oh, yeah. the, what the hell's a furry and then everybody starts to laugh they're like hang on pull the mics down they pull all the mics down so you hear the white noise of the microphones get pulled out and then you the mics come back up and bob is like oh my god what people actually do this? And then they have like a 10-minute conversation about furries, man. It's like one of the best pieces of baseball history.
4: He probably just didn't know there was a title to it. He's been doing that for years. He just didn't know the formality of it. Yeah,
5: Like when I explained to an older friend of mine what the shocker was, Yeah, and he went, oh, there's a name for that? I've been doing that to my wife for years now. (laughs) (laughs) It's like I love when you learn the titles. Uh
6: I I, uh, Uh, talked to John uh, so many, many years ago. Uh, and I thought I'd I goose him a little bit, and I said, uh, "John, I just listen to every game you call, and uh, but your terminology, I'm a little uh, what? I know baseball, but I don't know what a pie is. What is when you when you say that there was a, a pie? What are you talking about?" And he goes, "I don't know what you're talking about." And I said. <laughs> No, uh, let me. So, so uh, here's the windup and the delivery, and it's a bowl a pie. <laughs> you know,
14: you know. When I was covering the Twins, uh, Herb Carneal was doing the play-by-play. Yeah, and um, Herb was a Herb was a, he, he always had the kind of long face, especially on the road. He was he was a guy who was somewhat embattled by various things. And But I'd, I'd see him, you know, Herb and I would have breakfast, and I'd say, uh, well, uh, Herb, uh, uh, did you get a good night's sleep last night? And he'd say, oh, Mike, I didn't sleep a wink. They, they were partying all night long. <laughs> and and any time I ever asked him, how'd you sleep last night, it was always <laughs> the same thing. Oh, I couldn't sleep a wink, a <laughs> wink, Mike. I, I just, it was horrible, Mike. <laughs>
6: Herbie said one time... Uh, and this was later in his career um, because uh, Joey was coming up to bat, and, and, and Joey had been hitting that wrap. Down. He was at 400 mm-hmm. at some point. And uh, first three at bats, uh, he either strikes out or grounds out. And so the color says, uh, oh, Looks like, uh, looks like uh, Joe's gone into a slump. And then next time uh, it comes up, Joe hits a home run, and Herbie says, "And uh, that slump didn't last too long." <laughs>
4: <laughs> never wrong. You can, you never wrong. You just well, you massage know, it a little bit.
14: You know, uh, of course, Joe McConnell was his color guy for yeah, quite a while, right. and Joe was a good friend of mine. And uh, but Joe, uh, Joe, uh, and I, I don't say this to him. He's not around anymore, unfortunately. But I don't say this to insult his his memory or anything. But Joe Joe was a very confident guy, you know, and so we'd be on the road, and uh, Joe and I would Joe and I would have dinner quite often on the road, and uh, he uh, he sort of looked around. We were in the we were in the hotel restaurant. He kind of looked around, then he confided with me. He said, "Should have heard the broadcast last night. You know, he had that Ted Knight kind of voice." I'd say, "Oh, really?" He said, "Had to
3: carry Herb."
14: <laughs> uh, the memories just come flooding back.
6: Oh my goodness! Well, Did you you, know, you've, uh, you are still around, and it's uh, great to have uh, your wit and your charm and your knowledge and I don't know vest. about charm,
14: but I'll well, go. I'll go with knowledge. I, I was just bullshitting my <laughs> <know>. charm, but <laughs> yeah.
6: uh, but I but I do have to say. When you walked in the room i thought your dad was walking in the room you're looking Uh, like lou i got his
14: ears that's for sure yeah and that was always my dad's most prominent feature yes ears yeah
6: Yeah. what a lovely guy
14: oh great guy and and by the way his ears were not just decorative when when he was 90 and he couldn't see very well and he had dementia you if you were in the same building with him (laughs) You needed to whisper. He just heard everything.
6: There were trumpets.
14: And, yeah, and he was, of course, everything he heard made him angry, too. So. <laughs>
5: sure. Hey, hey, Mike, can you pull that microphone a little bit closer to you, bud? Sure. Yeah, there we go. Right
14: on. Yeah, this Excellent. is the kind of a new thing here. Right? Yeah. They're yep. fancy. Yeah, the, yeah. The microphone has its own screen. It's and ridiculous.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you don't mind me asking, I guess I've never heard the story. Where did the nickname Stretch come from?
14: Well... The first when I met when I met uh, when I met Dave, the program director, and Tom, uh, we uh, and, and I I met Tom because I was uh, at the time uh, I had uh, I was I was the local correspondent for Ad Age. I'd worked for the for the Tribune, the Minneapolis Tribune, for ten years, and then of course they had the merger, and then they were uh, basically we had a pretty good guild, and so they were. They were offering anyone who wanted to leave a, a year's salary and five years of medical insurance. And at the time, that was so long ago that the medical insurance was considered to be just like a, 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 just a throw-in, you know. Yeah. Now today, you'd, you'd, you'd say, the hell with the money. I just want the medical insurance. So anyway, I did this thing on, I wrote a story about Tom because Tom was the, the hottest voiceover guy in town. And, and then I got to know Dave, the program director, and uh, we kind of kind of started to hang out. And um, and they they had this weird thing going on, uh, what well, was Tom? Where he had he had like a series of bobbleheads on top of the television, and then he would rearrange them between batters, with, depending on whether the Twins were doing well or not. And I, of course, had covered the Twins, and since I covered the Twins for a number of years, I didn't give a damn whether they won or lost. You know, I mean. It's like you, you see your sausage being made, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're in the locker room. You don't, you know, it's no, no big deal. So anyway, I started, I, I was doing some stuff at the track. And so after I met these guys, I said, you know, I should call in. This is when the tr- Canterbury was actually doing well, you know, one of those two years. And uh, <laughs> so I, I said, uh, I'll just, you know, I'm at the track every day because I was doing a show out there. I'll just, uh, and I'll, I'll call in my pick of the day. So that's what happened. I called him my pick of the day, and, and uh, you know, he said, well, you know, who is this or something like that? And I, and I just said something like, uh, it's stretch. And then he said, uh, oh, okay. And then he started calling me the stretch monster. And so that's how it all began. The stretch part, I did not think of it as sort of an ironic commentary on my uh, height, which even today is diminishing. But, um, but, you know, I just thought stretch, stretch drive. Uh, so then I just, uh, then, then I started doing football picks, and I came in, like, uh, I, I called them in a couple times. They said, they said, you should come in and do them. I came in, I did them, and then I left, and then the next week I came in, they said, you should just stay for the whole day. And then I came back the next week, and they said, you should just stay for the whole week. <laughs> and that's how I stumbled into radio. <laughs>
5: I was thinking it had to be something with baseball because, like, you throw from the stretch, or maybe you just took a career yeah. that everybody thought wasn't going to last six months, and you stretched it out for forty <laughs> years, something like that. Yeah. Well,
14: you know, that's, that's I I just thought it was a just kind of like a you know one shot deal. Yeah, and all of a sudden I found myself twenty five years later still doing it. And I just well, I woke up one day and said, oh, my God, I've wasted my whole life.
6: Sure. I'm glad they chose stretch instead of the final furlong. Yeah, that, yeah. Wouldn't have, yeah. that would not have worked that well.
14: You take enough abuse when you're a public handicapper, believe it.
6: I know that's true because a Dark Star took a lot of abuse <laughs> over the years. Well, from me, maybe. Yes, from you. And uh, I... Uh, I miss him. I miss him oh, yeah. from time to time. He
14: was a character, yeah. yeah. You know, nothing he said could be believed, but that was part of his charm, right? You know, and of course, Roycey wrote a column. Nobody ever said it when he was alive, but Roycey kind of said it after, after George uh, George Chapel was his name after he died. And uh, no, no, I I still miss the guy. I um, I I I always had a, I always had a fun time with him. Sometimes he was v- mercilessly attacking me verbally, but. You know it, it it happens at the track.
6: <laughs> Joe Friedberg told a uh, story at the uh, Memorial Service for Dark, which was held at Canterbury. right. Were you there? Yeah. okay. Do you remember the story that uh, Friedberg told that uh, <laughs> they were dark was down in New Orleans doing some antique shopping, among other things mm-hmm. during the day and he saw a, uh, a desk that he uh, wanted, but it was way, way too expensive. Then the owner drops to the floor, <laughs> totally unconscious. And the wife is there and she goes, somebody do something? And Dark says, I'm a doctor. <laughs> See, this is, <laughs> I
14: rest my case. I'm, he could be anything you wanted him
6: to be. Doctor says, I'm a doctor. Let me take care of him. And dark... No,
14: did he, he, didn't, he, he didn't have any reservations, despite the fact he was committing a felony. That's right. He that, was small, committing a felony. that small
4: little hiccup. Don't no worry no, about no, no. it. We'll deal with that in post. So
6: anyway, whatever oh. happened, uh, the guy does recover. Hmm. And... Uh, Several weeks later, he went back down, and and uh, <laughs> the guy saw him and said, "Doctor Chapel, uh, I thank you, thank you so much for saving my life. Is there anything I can do for you?" No. And he said, "Well, I, I was looking. Several weeks was that, that that desk over there. I like." He said, "It's yours. Where do you <laughs> want me to ship it?" <laughs> so dark is Patrick Royce's. Address Mm -hmm. and the desk is shipped to Patrick Royce. Oh, funny! (laughs) It's great. And trying to to get it back from Patrick Royce was another story altogether.
14: Ah,
5: God! My friends would never lie to somebody, commit a felony, and then send me a desk. I need better friends, (laughs) right? (laughs) Absolutely,
14: absolutely. Right on. I used to, uh, you know, I used to do the uh, my handicapping show at the Canterbury Inn right, you know, right across from the track practically. And uh, this was, again, this goes back to when the track was really humming. And the way I got the job was uh, George was doing the handicapping show the first year when the track opened. And I got a call after that year from the manager of the, uh, of the club and uh, of the, of the uh, hotel, and he said, uh, called me up and he said, uh, yeah, I want you to do the uh, handicapping show. Uh, uh, I want you to do it every day. And uh, I said, oh, well, you know, that, that I could work that in. And he said, okay, here's the deal. Uh, I, I was paying George $50 a day, but he had an open tab you don't drink, do you? (laughs) I said, no, I don't. And he said, well, you don't have friends who drink, do you? I said, no, you know, I really don't. He said, we'll make it 100. (laughs) That's how you get a promotion. You're like, no friends at all, so we're good on that. I told him, how about like a, a free... Coke every day. Oh,
4: now you're pushing
14: it. They said, yeah, yeah, we can do that. We can give you a
4: gallon of that. (laughs) All right, up next, uh, I know Score North's Judd Zalgad is going to be pumped to be back with us. We've got that coming up here on the Tom Bernard Morning Show with uh, Don Shelby and Mike Gelfand.
9: When you need someone to listen A lawyer you know
0: and trust.
9: If you've never been in an auto accident, it's hard to know what to expect from the insurance adjuster. Here are some tips. One, if they talk to you about whether or not you should hire a lawyer, it's a good sign that you probably should. Two, it's illegal for them to give you any legal advice. They aren't lawyers and they aren't licensed to practice law. Three, if they tell you that everyone involved in the accident is at fault, they're wrong. This comes from the belief that you're at fault for just being on the road. That's nonsense and not supported by any law. Finally, remember that friendly adjusters are often just gaining information. They want you to do most of the talking so they can file their report. I'm Mike Bryant from Bradshaw and Bryant. I hope you're never injured in a collision. But if you are, don't sign anything until you've talked to us.
0: Find Bradshaw and Bryant, personal injury attorneys at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Seeking justice
7: for the injured. Brian
11: Businesses don't run on automation or algorithms alone. What powers businesses are your people and the people they serve. At Cintas, your dedicated service reps understand what you need to help you keep your employees feeling safe, comfortable and performing their best. So your business can too. For workwear, essential cleaning products, first aid and safety supplies and fire protection services, visit Cintas.com. Oh, I'm ready and get ready for the work day I always wanted to learn Spanish, but I never thought I'd have the time. Then I discovered Babbel.
13: Babbel's lessons are fun. They only take like 10 or 15 minutes, and in three weeks, presto, you're starting to speak another language, like magic.
2: I love that Babbel's lessons aren't just robots talking. They're voiced by native speakers, so you get the pronunciation just right. And they're designed by real language teachers, so you learn how to have real-world conversations, things you'll actually use.
4: It's incredible. After using Babbel, I'm ready to start having real conversations in French.
2: There's all kinds of ways to learn. Use Babbel's podcasts or games or videos. You can even join live classes with a language teacher. If you want
1: to learn a language, there's no faster, easier, better way than Babbel. Babbel.
0: Babbel. Babbel. Evidemment. Go to Babbel.com to try for free. That's B-A-B-B-E-L.com. Babbel.com. I'm Jenny,
4: senior designer for Cleo and Wolf, and this is Behind the Designs with Boot Barn. Cleo and Wolf is a vintage-inspired, effortless collection with a country sensibility. Each design is thought out and crafted so that it becomes a special staple
2: in her wardrobe. Even if it's just an article of clothing, there's so much meaning to that. In her most authentic, natural state is where her beauty and her confidence lives. Cleo and Wolf, only at Boot Barn.
6: You might get wireless data everywhere. But do you have to use it all the time? If that's not really you, this track phone. You can get the same nationwide 5G coverage as big carriers, but you pick a plan that you need for a lot less. Unlimited talk and text plans started $15 a month, no contract, and now you can get the Samsung Galaxy A03S for
3: just $49.99 track phone now you're in control while supplies last one month equals 30 days 5g capable device required actual availability coverage and speed may vary this is the tom bernard morning show podcast
4: yes and i am tom bernard obviously
3: (laughs) what happened to your voice
4: oh it's been a rough week thing i am angry
14: i don't know who who your cosmetic surgeon is but can you give me his number you're I'm on it.
4: Uh, we are back here at the Tom Bernard Morning Show. Tom Bernard is running around terrorizing Disney World with his grandkids. I'm sure having a grand old time. We got Don Shelby. We have Mike Gelfand. And now we have Judd Zelgad from Score North, all here,
6: of course, with Rudy. Hi, I, Judd. Welcome to the show, man.
12: Tom, you sound fantastic. Thank, Thank you. you very much.
7: I, we work
12: <laughs> out. You all sound fantastic. You all sound great. Great to join you all.
4: Yeah, no, we are, uh, Judd. Uh, we're kind of having a dream broadcast here, and I'm sure it's not lost <laughs> on you. Um, we're pretty excited to hear what's going on. What's going on in sports this week?
12: Um, actually, a ton. Um, the the trade deadline for the Wild and the entire National Hockey League, which has been nuts around the league, is uh, tomorrow. The Twins obviously are playing spring training games. The Vikings are at the Combine, so like there's not actual like football going on, but there's guys in underwear trying mm. to run as fast as possible and lift weights yeah. so that, that they can get drafted by the Vikings, who have, what, the 23rd pick? So uh, March gets to be a very busy time. Unfortunately, and Shelby, I'd l- like to ask you a question here, sure. okay? Yeah. Unfo- I used to love college basketball, and I know basketball's a passion of yours and has been for a long time. First of all, the transfer portal and what's gone on in college basketball has made it nearly impossible for me to follow. But more importantly, how concerned are you about not just the men's program, but both programs here? Because in my lifetime, I don't remember it, Don, being this bad overall basketball wise.
6: Part of that, of course, you know this, part of that is due to injuries, I think. Uh, We're not seeing the best. Team that can be fielded even from the players uh, in the men's uh, team that we uh, possibly can see. Uh, so I'm cutting a little slack, and uh, I uh, have known the coach since he played high school ball. So I don't, uh, I don't want to criticize in any way. Uh, so you have to take into consideration these things that I'm saying that I won't deal with. But uh, the top line is, it is embarrassing um we have to have a better performance how we figure that out whether it means a new coach whether it means more transfer uh, whether it means uh it's keeping the best players that we produce here at home even if uh, even if it suggests that they may be outshined by those people who are out of state um uh, I I am I'm just in a quandary, Judd. I don't know exactly how to improve this team. I think uh, their their schemes uh, on the court are good. Uh, they rely sometimes on people who can't shoot, but um, uh, I'm with you. Uh, I it, it's as bad as it can be.
14: You know, I but, heard uh, the other day. I heard an interview with uh with the coach uh, ben johnson and yeah. um he was being interviewed by a guy who was throwing him as many softballs as he could and the coach wasn't really having all of it uh, and uh, but he said to the he said well you know uh, you know ben next year looks like it could be a great year for you you know you've got you've got all these uh, guys you've worked with now on the coming back you know they'll be coming back next year and there was a long pause and uh ben said well, maybe. Yeah, that's the good. You don't know who's coming back. <laughs> good for him. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, no, he was very I love honest. That. Yeah, no, I, I think he's a he's a solid guy. Obviously, yes. now, whether whether yes. he can resurrect this team, who knows?
6: Well, it's the talent you have to work with.
14: Yeah.
6: Um, I remember Bobby Knight used to say, "I I am not interested in finding the best basketball player to bring in on scholarship." Yeah. I'm. I am more interested in finding the very best athlete. I can show them how to play basketball right. Right. Uh, I want the best athlete. So the combine is like this in the NFL because it tests every possible uh, variant in a person's ability. And oftentimes, as you guys know better than I do, uh, they will come in and say, I'm a wide receiver. And they'll say, no, you're a quarterback. Uh, or I'm a quarterback, and they will say, no, you're a defensive back, because that's what we're finding in the stats. And I think something like that needs to be done more with uh, basketball players.
12: What makes me uh, sad here, here though, too, is I don't know how you stop this when kids can basically spend a a year here, right? And things don't go well. They don't play a ton. The team's not good. And now they can just immediately up and leave. Like, that's my thing is how do, if you're Ben Johnson, how do you build continuity, right? When a kid who is, you know, 19, who so so like perspective is not a big thing here at 19, can just say, you know what? That was no fun. This team stunk. I just got a call from Duke. North Carolina, take your pick. Yes. I'm gone. That's the thing. You know, Clem could keep kids here. And, you know, Clem grew what was, I thought, a fantastic program that was unfairly punished by a few papers being written for kids. My God, think about that now.
14: (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Now, of course. Now
12: AI can write it for you. Yeah. Now, of
6: course,
12: the uh, computer writes it for you. Yes, right. Yeah. My suggestion is this. Here's what I want to see. No matter what transpires with Gopher Basketball going forward, I want Mark Coyle to call the NCAA today and tell him to buzz off. And then next year to open the season, I want that Final Four team with Clem back in the barn, and I want him to put the banners back up. Put those banners back up because North Carolina, a couple years back, if you recall, got away with a scandal in which they basically proved a bunch of players were cheating but their default was, well, other kids in the class were allowed to cheat too, so we can't punish the basketball players only. I just want them to come back and say, I want them to find three people who were in that class back then with, with that group of players to say, you know what, we cheated too. I want those banners back up. That season was great.
6: I, I have one of my prized possessions is a basketball from that season A a, uh, presentation basketball signed by every uh, player, including Clem. And uh, that's on display in my house. The season that never was. The final four that never was. And I was there at that game.
12: And how sad is that? Yeah. I mean, that was, again, not to make light of this, but think about what they did, okay? Like, they weren't running. It wasn't like we have proof that they were all paid, Right. Think about what they, they did, and this is where the NCAA as a whole drives me nuts. D- did you see the story? I think it was last week. So you are now able to give money to players, basically, right? Like you say, sure. hey, you're, go, go talk about this car dealership and Above we'll the table, pay though. you. Yeah. Did you see there, there was, I, I think it was sisters, I think it was twin sisters uh, were going to transfer and went to Miami. And Miami last week was handed sanctions because it turned out that those sisters went to a booster's house to have a dinner, while they were being recruited to be paid.
5: I don't understand why this is such a problem with people. Like, (laughs) I I really don't get it. I I, I guess I'm just like, yeah, you are. I I understand like it's college, you are getting your education paid for, but. On top of it, you're also working. It's like yeah. it's not like the school breaks even because you know, uh, because this player goes there. The school makes millions of dollars every year on the backs of these college students. Why yes. can't they make a few dollars off of it? Well
14: they, they make millions of dollars in revenue, they lose millions of dollars in terms of losses and profits and losses because these are not there's a few programs, football programs, basketball programs. That that actually make a profit, sure. But the rest of them, and certainly including the U, they don't make any money. No. And and you know, look at the, they built this lavish. It's you know, sort of lavish, uh, athletic village. And they said it was going to cost 170 million. Now it's up to about 220 million. But the problem is they can't they can't pay it off the debt. So you know, now 10 years later, all they're doing is trying to pay the debt. They're, they haven't gotten to the principal yet, as far as I know. <laughs> And it's just a waste of time. It's a waste of money. And so, you know, my feeling is if they're not going to make and they're never going to make a profit. They used to say uh, when I was when I was at the U, they used to say, well, you know, we make money on this and and we uh, we're able to, uh, you know, we're able to give it to the U and they can use it for the general fund. And then after a while, they said they'd say, uh, well, we're hoping to make a profit this year. Hmm. And now they say. It's not about the money, it's it's about the branding. <laughs> yes, we do this for branding. What a bunch of crap. yes, and and that's why you know I went to the u and i i uh, i uh, I'm a fan of the University of Minnesota, not necessarily the the teams, but I am a fan of the as an educational institution. And for me, I hate to say it, but if they can't ever make money. I think they should just turn turn all the facilities over to intramural sports. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, really,
4: I love this idea. Yeah. I, we, I'll make up the team mascots. Yeah. I will make the shirts. I'm on it.
14: No, I, this, I used to get calls, like, all the time, text messages, calls, <coughs> and letters, because I contributed some money to a specific scholarship fund. And then after that, you know, I, this this fundraiser would call me or he'd leave messages. I never picked up the phone, you know. And uh, and he'd say, you know, we, I know we got some exciting programs this year, Mike, and I know you'll be interested. And I, I, I finally, um, I finally picked up the phone one day, and I said, I, I tell you what, Jim, um, I know you're working hard. I don't want you to waste your time, but I got my checkbook in front of me, and I'm gonna write right now. I'm gonna write out a check to the U for ten thousand dollars, and I'm gonna give it to you when you abandon all intramural sports. and I I never heard from him again that's a brilliant
12: play stretch that's an absolutely brilliant play I mean,
14: I, I know the University of Minnesota as an educational institution I've gone to hundreds of games I also went to university I went to university high school so I spent 10 years on that campus Uh and uh, and so during those 10 years I went to a lot of football games uh, more basketball games occasional baseball games so, you know, it's, it's fun, but it has nothing to do with what goes on in the classroom. It never did. And the thing that really slays me is that, is that uh, high schools have football teams. Can you imagine today? Some guy shows up there. We don't have football, let's say. And some guy shows up at, at the uh, school board meeting. He says, yeah, you know, I, I just want to pitch you guys. There's this new thing called football. And I think you guys should should field a team. I mean, almost everybody on the team will suffer a concussion. Oh, probably 25% will break bones during the year. Some of them will have lasting brain issues. Uh, but you know what? The fans love it. Oh, where do I sign?
12: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It could never It'll be happen. great for TV, Stretch. It's going to be great on TV, too. <laughs> Professional football. It's really going to sell. Yeah, right. Yeah, who, could, who would imagine that?
6: i Talked to McKinley Boston many years ago, and I uh, made a proposal because he was on the uh, NCAA uh, committee at the time. He was not just a representative of the U, but he was on the executive committee on rules. And I said, Look, uh, I have a legal problem with these scholarships that you're giving um, because I think what it implies is you are implying that. Uh, you will give these uh, young people an education, and in return for their uh, play on the field hmm. uh, or the court, and he said, "Yes, that is it. it is it." And I said, "But if they leave after three years, uh, your commitment ends. Why don't you say, for however long it takes, we will supply an education?" until you get your degree for the amount of time that you have spent playing for us. And I think that might be an incentive to stay a little bit longer. uh, If somebody says, even if you leave, go to the pros, whatever you're going to do, uh, then you still will get your degree if you finish the classes with us. And So that's what Isaiah did. Isaiah went back to IU. He didn't graduate, but he went back to IU and got his degree. But he had to pay for it. I'm saying, if you are ever a scholarship student, you should, on an NCAA full ride, you should get the degree that you, in essence, paid for with your blood, sweat, and tears.
14: And now, maybe a, a basketball player, for example, could uh, could get the uh, could get the support to get a degree from the five different teams he plays on.
5: Hmm. Sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sure. So, so, what are the teams that? That what are the sports that make money? It must be men's football, basketball, women's gymnastics, women's volleyball, and that it's probably about it, right?
12: It's it's men's football. It's men's basketball. It's women's basketball at some schools. I don't believe here, yeah. I, as Stretch said. Um, and then it depends. In in the South, there, it's probably a little bit different. But I think as far as the guys, as far as the actual. Uh, sports on campus here that pull in um, that pull in substantial bucks. But here's the thing to keep in mind, and here's where it's really changed: the Big Ten Network is printing money for every Big Ten school, and that is what supports everything. Now. Oh, okay. and, that, and that's not going to last very
14: long, though, don't you think?
12: The Big Ten Network, um, you know, I I think it will. I think it will because the appetite for football is so huge. That, that these the, – the crazy thing is the new deal that they just did, the Big Ten just did a deal with what? Um, I think it was Fox now and NBC. And then they've got their own network, as I just said, Stretch. Oh, so yeah. I think they're in – I think that, that financially they're in fantastic shape. But, yes, the majority of sports probably don't actually pull in by themselves. But I guess money.
14: I guess what I'm getting at is what is the future – uh, what is the future going to hold for sports on televisions when nobody has a television?
12: Oh, it's streaming, though. Yeah, That's... well, I
14: know it's streaming, but, but the people who stream are not nearly as enthusiastic, as the studies I've seen, as people, as, as, you know, the elderly people like me who still watch on a television. So, Either, so you know, are... and look, just one more thing. Yeah. We're, we've, we're already seeing, of course, you know, the St. Clair broadcastings, uh, digital empire uh, crumbled crumbled entirely for you know for with baseball, so we right. don't even know if there'll be television baseball in the future.
2: Right, it, it'll probably
14: well, won't be. It'll probably it'll be pay per view basically.
12: The difference there though is is that and here's where the, the leagues are going to absolutely clean up eventually. They're taking this stuff in house for streaming now. Mm. Like, I think baseball. If if you look at uh, Maffred's comments, not shockingly. I think that uh, baseball is in, in a position that if Sinclair and that Diamond Sports Group, which, which runs the Bally's channels, defaults on payments, mm-hmm. baseball is prepared to take this in-house immediately. That's so, what like, saying. Yeah. There is a plan here, and I will say this. The younger generation is smarter, they are cheaper, and they they don't subscribe to cable like I still do as an old guy, but they are definitely willing to pay for what they want, and that's where sports is different because sports is... Because it remains one of the few now live things left that people crave. Mm. I think that sports is actually going to be fine from that standpoint.
5: That's a good point, man, because especially like my daughter, 14 years old, uh she has no idea what a radio is. I've been on this damn thing for 25 years, has, has never listened to it once. We'll gift her uh, one. Yeah. So the fact that, that the younger generation is coming up with this, uh, they are going to have to figure out new ways to be able to get sports into the hands of the younger generation. Because you're right, there aren't a lot of people that are subscribing to cable anymore. You know, those days are completely right. gone.
12: The fact, the fact is, and this is one of my saddest things, okay? The fact is... I appreciate technology. I appreciate the future. I think kids today are are much more discerning and skeptical than my generation was, which I absolutely love. But to not have the joy of ever holding a transistor radio in oh. your hand oh, oh, no. is a very sad thing. You
4: guys are so old. No one cares. <laughs> Nobody <clears throat> you're 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 putting something on a pedestal that I'm sure at the time you didn't even care about yourself.
5: Sure. Yeah. I'm I'm sorry, sorry, wait dad. a minute, I
14: used to have one of those crystal sets. Yeah. Like
4: as somebody who at one point listened to a disc man in her in her snowboarding jacket yeah. would fall and like bruise her ribs. You're, make, you're making it far yeah, more yeah, beautiful. Yeah. You're putting yeah. it on a pedestal.
12: It was romantic. You Is had a it, baseball though? game coming through your radio yeah. at night, perhaps from a different city, perhaps Ugh. KMOX in St. Louis. I'm sorry. I'm not going to give this one up. <laughs> <And> <laughs> yes. I don't no, want I, you I'm to. With
6: Judd, I'm with you because Shocking. my mother, who I think uh, would probably rank as one of the uh, finest baseball minds that uh, I had ever met, uh, she could have managed a uh, baseball team. Uh, She listened to three games a day during the season (laughs) from morning till night and used shortwave radios to connect uh, East Coast, West Coast, Midwest. And uh, she just picked uh, the games and it never stopped. And she knew every player of every team and uh, loved every second of it. What a mom. That yeah. is a great mom.
14: If I had a yeah, mom God. like that, I'd say, stop listening, make an apple pie, would you?
4: <laughs> <laughs> if you had a mom like that, you wouldn't be interesting <laughs> enough <laughs> to be on radio. Sorry. Yeah,
12: maybe that Donna was Reed a Donna Reed Show, <laughs> Stretch, is that your thing? Yeah. It, it <laughs> was Donna. a loss because
6: uh, she was a horse shit cook. Yeah. <laughs> she couldn't you
12: cook anything.
14: You, you had to pick one. Yeah, really. It oh, was yeah. terrible. <laughs> no, my mother, she, she she, the only thing she really uh, enjoyed making... Uh, typically was um, was uh, what some people would call pate uh, you know it was actually called uh, chopped liver uh, yeah yeah and yeah. she had one of those she <laughs> had uh. like she had the, 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 uh, the fake silver grinder yeah and I, I if I saw her loading the schmaltz and the and the chicken livers and the eggs into the thing I left immediately because I knew after she'd packed the grinder up, then I would have to watch the worm-like entrails right. coming out of it yes. as she as she ground. Yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah.
6: And but uh, but it wasn't exactly foie gras. <laughs>
14: no, not exactly. <laughs> Close, it was slightly different. But you know, foie gras was a little too pricey for uh, for our people. So, yeah, she made she made that, and uh, and then in in her later years, my dad was working for Pillsbury, and suddenly she started. Uh, she started uh, she had this new dream that she was going to win the Pillsbury bake-off prize you know for the best cake or something uh, i nobody wanted to break the news to her that she wasn't eligible cuz
6: you know my oh that's there. right yeah,
14: yeah. But, but we ate the cake and it was pretty good and it was i thought yeah. was, i thought it was better than the chopped liver
12: big improvement there stretch <laughs> and the big thing improvement about, the thing about what the, the, the hell cho-
14: the thing about the chopped liver or when she would make latkes on hanukkah is you had to have disposable clothes because you would never oh. be able to wear the clothes again. There was nothing you could do to revive the clothes. The stench of onions. And you couldn't it. wash it out? No, no, you never washed it. It was like going to the White Castle, you know? Oh, yeah.
1: God, yes. You go to the White oh, Castle <laughs> and you, you
14: have a couple, and then like three weeks later you put on the same shirt and, and people say, hey, you must have just been at the White <laughs> Castle.
6: <laughs>
7: what was
12: that smell? Oh, it's like, what shame. Was exactly?
14: I think it was shame. just really bad it, it, beef and onions.
6: No, actually, shame. I will tell you this. The IT did a, a piece. Oh, <laughs> God. we tested, used the, uh, high-end laboratories to test the I um, oh, no, I'm
9: Of scared. all
6: of the various fast food restaurants, mm-hmm. coming out on top was White Castle. Oh, oh, no. Totally the addictive. best beef of all the beef made. Really? In those uh, fast food restaurants. What was
4: the worst?
6: I can't tell you because I think I have some kind of libel suit. Okay. <laughs> We'll and talk there might be a sponsor
5: fair. at yeah. some point. Right. In, country, exactly. so in that case. Be very
12: careful. <laughs>
5: well, that, that's weird that White Castle is best beef on the way in. But it's not best beef on the way out. Uh, that's yeah. Because, yeah, of the, I, that's yeah. because of the onions. Sh- and sh-
6: because mm-hmm. they are never cooked, that means they come out frozen. They put them on a, a sort of a heat grill. Uh-huh. But they uh, are steamed. They are not grilled right. sure. and not fried. They are steamed, so the meat is steamed, and I think that makes it uh, a better product. And I have to say, I spend a lot of money at White Castle.
4: I'm I'm not mad at White Castle, Mm -hmm. but um, I'm traumatized by it, as I shared a (laughs) Suburban with three brothers who played hockey and would go to White Castle and leave not only the hockey bags in there, but the old White Castle. Uh, Getting in that Suburban in the morning was... (laughs) Probably more PST than I'll ever have from going to Iraq. <laughs> sure. like, What's that smell
12: mixed? Like? I can't
4: tell you, but I can, I can, uh, I could find it if I needed to. Oh god! Wet
12: leather and onions. Ugh. Yeah, gross. Hockey bags. And yeah. they go
4: hand in hand with White Castle. That like,
12: is the worst stink, by the way, it of
6: all is. the sports I've ever covered. Oh, uh, I, I could not stand to stay in a hockey locker room after the game. For uh, more than a minute. Yeah. Oh, you're so right. No. Well, it's not close,
12: right? I, okay. I mean, there's nothing else that replicates that smell. A
4: shin guard in soccer is pretty bad, yeah. too, is I it? would say. Okay. Uh, but the thing is that uh, hockey's just all over shin guards. Yes. It's just the yeah. whole body of shin guards.
14: Yeah. <laughs> well, I was lucky to cover baseball because, you know, nobody even got their uniform dirty. <laughs> no, of course not. <laughs> Nobody's sweating true. out there except the umpires. <laughs> Oh man, <laughs> God, I had a friend of mine, this kid
5: named Ard, and we went over to Somerset, Wisconsin, to go do some tubing and camping. And on the way there, uh, he stopped off and he got uh, twelve White Castle sliders. Mm-hmm. Oh, and man. then uh, when we got to the uh, to the campground, he drank an entire case of Natty Light. Oh! And then he oh. woke up the next morning and uh, spent a good a portion of the time in the porta potty. And then he came back and said, "You know, I think those White Castles weren't sitting with me very well." I'm like, "Well, maybe it was the case of Natty Light that
12: you decided <laughs> to throw down all day yesterday, my man." That's a crazy move, though. Yeah. Oh. Like, if, if if you know. With those two things in, in you, that yeah. all you have at your disposal is a porta potty. Oh, yeah, that's brave. That's a crazy yeah. move. You
5: want to yeah. do that at 8 a.m. on a Saturday at your house with running water? Yep. Fine. But doing that camping, man, that is a gamble.
14: Yeah. And the thing about White Castle is it's okay for vegetarians to eat them because there's so little beef there. It's what is it? Seven eighths of an ounce, I think.
4: Yes. I mean. Yeah. Unless you Don Shelby's reporting is saying we're wrong,
14: yeah, we're gonna
4: have to be. I know, I know your disbelief, but we're gonna have to get. A, no, I'll, I'll, we'll have to do some reporting ourselves.
14: I can just now, picture Don, Don shaking his head as he holds the losing hamburger in his hand. <laughs> <laughs> How
12: dare you! My question you? is this: was, was this a sweeps i report? Weren't they all? <laughs> but I, but I mean, this sounds like it'd be a perfect tease, right? In May or something. Yeah, right. Spring yeah. Sweet? Yeah. you know, to yeah. say coming that. up tonight, after Rockford Five. And, and,
7: oh, and I'm not saying
14: I'm not saying that I watched these religiously, but whatever happened to Bill Lone?
6: I had <laughs> Bill Lone was the basement waterproofer guy, yes. and uh, we put a guy inside <laughs> inside the business. Uh, We had (laughs) hidden cameras and I met with Bill Lone Mm -hmm. and I had called a friend of mine, a lawyer in South Carolina and said, would you write up some incorporation papers for me that will never see the light of day? (laughs) You do not have to file them. And I met with him with a hidden camera uh, and told him (laughs) that I found uh, I found a uh, uh, by accident. Uh, I would lay some uh, uh, nitrogen fertilizer up against a post that uh, had dry rot in my barn. And uh, I'll come find out uh, uh, that solved my problem. So I think this, uh, I can uh, maybe make a product that will kill dry rot in barns. And uh, he said, uh well, does it work? I said, well, I think it does. You probably might have to test it. Could be, uh, this could be coincidence, but he said, I'll take it, and he gave me a price. <laughs> 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 he told me how he was going to promote it, and so we ran that hidden camera video, and uh, it sunk him.
5: Uh, So So I just just looked this up on Eat This, Not That, and this is from late 2022, so just a couple of months ago. But do you guys want to know what the best... Fast food restaurants are with the best beef? Yes. Okay. So some of these places I've never even heard of, like Burgerville and Be Good. Have you guys heard of Be Good? No. Nope. I Haven't heard of that. Elevation Burger? Don't know any of that. No. But uh, some of the places around here that you may have been to, uh, Shake Shack, number three on the list. Yes. Good. Uh yeah. Number two, Panera. <laughs> nope. Who would have ever thought beef at Panera? I would, ne- would
4: never think to have a burger at
5: Panera. No. No. Number one, uh, Chipotle. Huh.
14: I believe yeah. that.
5: Yeah, when it comes to it. So here's the other thing. A lot
14: thing. of people love that. Yeah. I love Chipotle. Here's the
5: other thing that was surprising, though, is that some of the honorable mentions, uh, Subway, I didn't think their meat was, I thought their meat was well, just super processed not, and plasticky. Yeah,
4: they're not putting it in the bread. That's for sure. We
14: learned that yeah. this yeah. year or last year. Uh, and there's no tuna in the tuna, so that's no. safe to eat.
5: Yep. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, McDonald's, Wendy's, and then uh, on top of the honorable mentions list, Fuddruckers.
12: What is that? Fuddruckers around? still around? There
5: are, but it's not. It's closed. Does, the one down 494 is closed. Yeah, yeah. that St.
4: Louis Park one—that's
12: closed. Yeah. yeah.
5: They used to have dollar beer nights, and man, that was the best. Uh, that Fud rockers was where it was at. Really? Yeah. I used to live down the street from there, and we just How did walked. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I lived
12: right by there for
5: a while. Uh, we had a good family friend who had large ears, much like uh, Mike Elfman's <laughs> dad, and he went down to that uh, that Fud rockers and then as a joke, was like, "Ah, you know what? I bet I could stick my head through that railing." Oh And no. he stuck his head through the railing, and then couldn't get. To back out, man. so they had to call the fire department at the no. Fun Rockers and come and cut them out. Yeah. Did they
4: try butter at first? Oh, they tried yeah. everything. They
5: tried That's to a... grease them up. Oh, yeah, it was yeah, awful. Yeah, grease it. Yep. Yeah, and they were just like, finally, they were like, sorry, kid, we're going to have to, you know, which is great, because the pictures are hilarious, but yeah, then the, they had the fire department had to come and cut them out, yeah.
14: <laughs> you know, my, my dad, of course, he, he hated all restaurants with a passion, because my dad, my dad was a you-are-what-you-eat kind of guy, going way back. I mean, he was one of the first. And uh, so we, he always wanted to take, take uh, my sons and I out to dinner on Sunday night. This is late in his life when he was usually pretty angry. And, uh, and so we would, go, we would never go to a fast food place. We, we couldn't get that by him. But, but for example, like we, we might go to a barbecue place. My dad grew up in Tulsa. Now, he hated Tulsa, and Tulsa hated him. But he'd still like barbecue, uh, and uh, and so he'd uh, we, he'd get a you know maybe a a, a barbecued chicken or something like that, and then when we left, I'd say, well, well, how was it, Dad? And he'd say, well, now I got my fill of salt for the next year. <laughs> <laughs> my God, my dad, my dad didn't just avoid salt; he had a
12: grudge against salt. <laughs>
14: <laughs> he
12: hated salt. Oh yes. I mean, salt's such a it's such a staple of soul
14: Oh yeah, you can't avoid people. it, really. But no. yeah, you know, no, he he hated that. Hated sugar, although he, he liked his you know twelve ounces of orange juice in the morning. But I didn't bother to tell him it was mostly no. sugar. Yeah. No,
4: He's got so few um, nice things going on in his life. Yeah. Like, let him have it. Yeah.
14: Well, well, the the, the barbecue place he. He didn't, he didn't like mentioning the names of the restaurant. Well, most of, most of them he couldn't remember, but he just referred to it as the salt factory.
4: Oh, nice. <laughs> salt lick.
14: <laughs> yeah. Hated, all, hated every place we ever went. In my dad's mind, every time a restaurant went out of business, another angel earned their wings. <laughs>
12: <laughs> it's a wonderful restaurant? <laughs> it just didn't matter.
14: Hated them all. <laughs> Always in a fall mood.
12: Yeah, you
5: know, uh, for how much my daughter eats out, I always say my daughter lives a life like she makes $150,000 a year because I bet she eats out six times a week. It's got to be. It's, I don't eat out that much. Her mom and everybody else takes about to eat. But I'm like, for some reason, I can't do restaurants. I like that because it, it loses its luster if you go all the time. Uh-huh. Like once every six weeks, I'll go and just like enjoy a kick-ass meal somewhere with a glass of wine. It makes it that much more special. If you eat out twice a day, yeah. who cares? It's yeah.
12: expensive as hell, Absolutely,
5: too. yes. Absolutely.
14: It's God. Like, yeah, I mean, it's like these people who, you know, are... Are just just like having sex almost every month. Oh, yeah, yeah. It it's too much. Too, just too. too much. To keep your hands off <laughs> of yeah. each other. Yeah,
6: absolutely. So, I will go to Murray's twice a year and eat the silver butter knife oh. special oh. myself. No one else. I it, will not split it with anyone. It's wow. that good. Yeah. Did
14: yeah, Sam ever uh, ever uh, uh, to pick up the tab there? No. No. Never. <laughs>
12: So, but you can still go sit at the Sid table, correct? That's yes. still there. I still I had when
6: they uh I think Minnesota Monthly or they did a diagram hmm. and back in my heyday, I had a table. A long distance. I would
14: from imagine. Sid's. Yeah. <laughs> well that's not a bad thing there, Shelby. <laughs> yeah, but did you have a, like a, anything named after you there? No. Oh. No.
5: Did uh well
6: if you don't mind me asking, what's the silver plate special? It is basically a Chateaubriand. It's a, a gigantic uh, t- uh, three inch cut of, I think, New York. And, uh, and so there's probably four pounds of meat there. Jesus. Um, and uh, cook that medium rare with a, a char on it mm. and putter and the garlic toast. Mm. that is unbelievable. The,
12: the garlic toast. Rudy, you have to try. The yeah, toast.
6: no, uh, that is the thing I tell people all
5: the time about meals like that: is you, you, you are worth it. Yeah. You are worth it. Yeah. And once Look at a year. You. Yeah, go out and spend that money. You are, you are worth it. You are worth it. Yeah, yes. I just
4: this is I've never seen this Food side counselor. of Rudy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
5: No, yeah. You are worth it. Go out and enjoy it, man. Like uh, if, if something costs an extra twenty five dollars, you're never gonna think of that twenty five dollars. Just you are worth it, man. Yep. Buy jeans that, that fit right and they're an extra twenty five bucks. You'll never think about it, but you'll always be comfortable in that pair of jeans. <laughs>
14: well, Boy, that's not the way I, I was, was raised. I was just going
4: to say, unless you're a fan, you would sit in them every day and go, was it worth it? Yeah. I don't know. Rudy, you'll get to know that as this show sure. goes on. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Judd, so much. Don Shelby, legend, Gale fan, legend. We had a great show. Uh, we're going to do it all again uh, tomorrow as well. So. Yes, I
6: would give them uh, this message. Uh, now that you know that I will be on tomorrow mm-hmm. in place of Don Bernard. Yeah. Make your decisions accordingly. (laughs) You can uh, completely uh, avoid this show. Totally. Or you can tune in. Your choice entirely.
4: Unless you're Beverly, then you will be listening. Um, That's my mom. She has to. Uh, We will be back tomorrow with Don Shelby here on the Tom Bernard Morning Show.
1: 14 rounds of golf for only $90? You betcha. The Minnesota Golf Passport is back and available now at scorenorth.com. As a golf passport cardholder, you are entitled to 13 18-hole rounds of golf for just one low price of $90. A $400 golf value for only $90. With the Minnesota Golf Passport, you get to play 18 holes at each of these great area courses.
2: The Refuge, Purple Hawk, New Ulm Country Club, Bull Rush, Elk River Golf Club, Bristol <laughs> Ridge, Whispering Pine, Shaman, Siren National Emily Greens The Ponds All Green And Golden Eagle
1: 13 great courses 13 rounds of golf One low price just $90. And $10 for every card purchased will benefit youth golf in Minnesota. Supply is limited, so go to scorenorth.com. That's North.com. Type keyword passport to buy your passport before they're gone. Go to score, North.com. Keyword passport for your
10: 2023 Minnesota golf passport. Robert Art here. You might not know this about me and about my family, but we're kind of Nissan strong. I say that because I own a Nissan Altima from Walzer Nissan. I love it. My son Andy owns a Nissan Rogue Sport from Walzer Nissan, and my daughter-in-law Melissa, yup, you guessed it, drives a Nissan Kicks and carts grandson Ethan safely around town. Also purchased at Walzer Nissan. You want to know who else is Nissan strong in the Twin Cities? Walzer Nissan and their trifecta of stores down south. GM Dan Resch at Walzer Nissan in Burnsville. West of the metro, just off Highway 12 and Wyzetta Boulevard, is Casey Novotny's Walzer Nissan Wyzetta. and in Coon. Kun- rapids north side of highway 10 and Round lake boulevard jay buck runs the show at this nissan store this month at all three nissan dealerships score zero percent financing on rogues altimas and pathfinders with up to fifteen hundred dollars available loyalty cash on select models and with good credit nissan strong and loyal like me and my family even if you're just nissan curious go to walzer.com and select the walzer nissan store nearest you i'm due for an oil change Maybe I'll see you there. Just when you thought it couldn't get any better, Mike Lindell and MyPillow are launching MyPillow 2.0. When Mike invented MyPillow, it had everything you could ever want in a pillow. Now, nearly 20 years later, he discovered a new technology that makes MyPillow even better. The MyPillow 2.0 has the patented adjustable fill of the original MyPillow, and now with the brand new fabric that is made with a temperature-regulating thread. The MyPillow 2.0 is the softest, smoothest, and coolest pillow you'll ever own. Say goodbye to tossing and turning and flipping your pillow over in the middle of the night. And more great news on the MyPillow 2.0, buy one, get one free offer with promo code TOM. MyPillow 2.0, with its temperature-regulating technology, is 100% made in the USA and comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Just go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio podcast square to receive the MyPillow 2.0 buy one, get one free offer. Just when you thought MyPillow couldn't get any better, MyPillow 2.0 gives you the best pillow ever. Enter promo code TOM or call 800-516-5146 to get your MyPillow 2.0s now.
3: Thanks for listening to the Tom Bernard Morning Show live stream you miss something go to podcasts and listen anytime you want get the live stream or the podcast at tombernardshow.com or on the tom bernard show app in your app store